0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: It
2: is Wednesday, April 3rd, and live from the Chicago Reader's Chicago Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. No snapping today on the program. Legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns. We welcome Chicago reader reader publisher Dennis Can Talk, Tracy Bame, and film producer Steve Cohen. And now your host, Tracy Bame's employee. <laughs> Yeah, man. Better watch it today, buddy. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist
3: Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky there, here. We're calling this Happy Wednesday. He's and here. He's, here. There. He's everywhere. And <laughs> I woke up today singing a song, you know the one I forget from the '90s where the guy goes, uh, "It's a happy day, it's a good day, or, I'm happy today." Oh yeah, <laughs> nobody knows what you're talking about. It's got the sample from the Isley Brothers of uh, "Hear Footsteps in the oh, Dark." Oh my! Whoa! And then the guy talks about how he had breakfast. His mother made him breakfast, or his mama made him breakfast, but she didn't feed him hog. You know that
2: song? You're talking about a rap song. Oh yeah!
3: And then later so on, today was a good day. I <laughs> (laughs) Cube. Yeah, today was a good day. Today was a. And then it ends up with with the Bulls beating the Sonics. Lakers. Oh, (laughs) well, when I do the song, Bulls beat the (laughs) Sonics. Bulls win. Our host, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, you know, but I, it's a good song. You know, I'm not a fan of hip hop or rap, but, you know, I like how they have the Isley brothers there. And then, you know, it's called sampling uh, uh, sampling. OK, that's what it's called. Some people would call it stealing as long as they pay Ronnie Isley. I'm good with it. All right. Anyway. I like that song. It was a good day. I woke up. No no rapping. Oh, sorry, man. (laughs) Or whatever that was. Uh, I like how, and then it ends up like he's eating a hamburger at two in the morning. You know that part of the song? Fat burger. Fat burger. You really know this song. I like the song a lot, actually. I like the song. Anyway, I woke up singing that song because I was feeling so good. You know why? Because Mayor Rob's not going to be the mayor for much longer. (laughs) Come on, all you lefties out there with the long faces. You're feeling so bad because you were supporting uh, Tony (laughs) Breckwinkle. Lori Lightfoot, let's face it, folks, kind of mopped the floor with her. If we're going to use a basketball analogy, it wasn't even close. The election was over like in about five minutes after seven. But... Look at the bright side compared to what happened four years ago. Oh my God! Let me just take you back in time. That's the time capsule of me going back in time, D. All right, I'm back in time. The year is 2015. We're on the stage at the Hideout with Mickey D. It's first Tuesday, and the whole idea was like, you know, this this election between Rama and Chewie is going to go into the wee hours. So we're going to stay here while the votes are counted, and we're going to have a uh, a Mayor was with us on stage, and Pat Dow was a Proco Joe Moreno. How about these names from the past? Old Proco Joe. And uh, so like, yeah, we're going to stay here all night. Like 20 minutes in, it's all pretty obvious that Rom was won of like a pretty decisive victory. And that Proko Joe's, uh, I have to go somewhere. He like ditched us right there. You know, Proko sounded Joe. Sounded just like him. <laughs> I bet you Proko Joe knows that. He's a big 90s guy, but he's more into rock and roll, not rap music. So he probably doesn't know that song.
2: Everybody knows that song.
3: Uh, Miles, do you know that song? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> It was a 90s song, all right? Way, way before uh, Guy's Miles Age Report. Anyway, all right? So, I'm feeling pretty good, because let's face it, folks, today or yesterday was a lot better uh, than uh, 2015, and they ushered in when Rom won, when he beat Chewy, when he uh, was able to win uh, almost all the black vote that had gone to Willie Wilson, or a good chunk of it They had gone to Willie Wilson. He w- brought in four more years of regressive taxation, and TIFF handouts to the well-to-do, and starving public schools of the money they need for things like special education, and pretending he was doing all of it for the kids so annoying annoying wait wait i was gonna be happy today so instead of looking back i'm gonna look forward so come on progressives come on lefties you gotta feel a little better about today than you felt about four years ago all right you know what? And, and i gotta say it's the lefties of Chicago who are responsible uh, for uh, yesterday's triumph for Lori Lightfoot. It's the uh, activists, progressives, whatever you want to call them. Let's think. Let's go back in time after Rom won that election. Get that time machine out again. Okay. When we well, get the... Ba- <laughs> what awesome. was, what awesome. was that movie with John Cusack? And he was like... A, a, he would go into a... Um, in the time machine, but it was in a,
2: uh, what is that thing called? Oh, you were on such a good roll with this ROM thing. <laughs>
3: Do you know what? Craig Robinson was in it oh, uh, from Whitney Young. Anyway, all right. Uh, what's that thing called where you go, like the water bubbles up and it's a- A Pong. S- <laughs> <laughs> uh you know like a bath well whatever anyway a steam busy? sauna not a sauna the a other spa a uh, hot tub <laughs> a hot tub you would remember oh, yeah, yeah hot, i saw that movie hot was tub you... time machine yeah you never saw that movie <laughs> no it's, well it's definitely not worth seeing but anyway where was i uh fantastic <laughs> mayoral <laughs> coverage here so anyway uh after rom was forced kicking and screaming and I mean, he resisted it to release the Laquan McDonald video after a Cook County judge forced him to release the video. Uh, activists said three things: one, we got to get rid of Gary Big Mac McCarthy, the police chief; two, we got to get rid of Anita Alvarez, the state's attorney; and three, we got to get rid of Mayor Rahm. And guess what? Here we are. How many years later? Four years later, and all three are gone. All right. And uh, Rahm was so chicken uh, of running, of being lose, of losing that he wouldn't even run in the race. And so Lori Lightfoot uh, was victorious. Come on, activists. I know a lot of you were disappointed that you supported Tony Preckwinkle. You felt for some reason that there was a huge difference between Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot. I disagreed with you on that point. Boy, oh boy, did I disagree with you on that point. But at least you have to acknowledge that we're probably in a better place today uh than we were four years ago so look on the bright side uh chicago so that's kind of how i was feeling when i woke up d and then all of a sudden i read the editorials and like cranes and the tribune and they're like already trying to move lori to the right as though yesterday was a mandate uh to like cut pensions for retirees make the geezers eat gruel Folks, I'm telling you, is
2: that the headline?
3: (laughs) It's basically the theme of cranes in the Tribune. Make them eat cruel. Anyway, folks, it's like one fight ends and another one begins. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, yes, indeed. Monroe Anderson will be in the studio talking Trump, 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 and Trump. And also... I thought you were going to say gardening. I could have swore you were going to say gardening. <laughs> no, not gardening. Uh, and he'll probably do a little uh, talking about the Chicago mayoral election as well, because Monroe's been around town for a while. And in the 2 o'clock hour, Tracy Bame, yes, the boss will be here. So one more time, take uh, that pizza carton, oh alright? How many times do I have to tell you, don't leave the pizza so carton? Uh, Tracy Bame, uh, before she was the, uh, before she became publisher, the reader, uh, was the publisher of Windy City Times, and she's covered the LGBTQ community in Chicago 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 since the 80s so uh, the headline she actually wrote an essay about it for my beloved bright one the Chicago Sun-Times Lightfoot's election latest milestone in a hundred year LGBTQ journey in Chicago so um, Tracy will be in studio talking about the consequences the historical ramifications of Lori Lightfoot's uh, victory yesterday and then we'll do a little change of pace uh, in the final hour. The great Steve Cohen, producer Steve Cohen and Paula Fraley will be in the studio talking about Doc 10. Uh, that's the great documentary film festival that uh, will be opening at the Davis Theater in the Northside. Folks, you got to run, don't walk. There's a great uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez documentary that traces the, um, her victory. And I already got my tickets, D. Got my tickets already. Uh, It follows uh, Ocasio-Cortez from start to finish uh, as she defeated Joe Crowley in the Democratic primary back in 2018. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about uh, with Stevie Cohen and Paula Fraley. Love talking about Doc 10 with them. So we have a great show, a lot of political talk, local political talk, national political talk. We're we'll getting all that. Uh, maybe Dennis will do some more of his favorite songs from Ice Cube. Uh, Miles will start singing some Isley Brothers songs, you know, Footsteps in the Dark. You know that one, don't you? I've heard of it. Okay, yeah, but It's one of your dad's favorite songs, yeah. by the way. Yep. I hear footsteps, baby.
2: Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, before we do any of that, the doctor. Has the news. Hey there. I do love Ice Cube. It's the middle of the day. Yes, Lori Lightfoot won the mayoral election. And believe me, we're going to keep talking about it, okay? But first, let's talk about that national news happening this afternoon. Hey, Ben, Mm. you, you hear that? Yeah, there's a storm a brewing. Oh, what did Trump? Yeah, a storm between Congress and uh, the Trump administration. Oh, I thought you were
3: going to say Stormy Daniels.
2: Oh, so, yeah, that's yeah. so 2018. The House Judiciary Committee today approved a subpoena to obtain the full confidential report from Special Counsel Robert Mueller, sending a warning to Attorney General William Barr not to redact Mueller's report. Yeah, not to redact Mueller's report. Yeah, we're going to have to bring Jim
3: Coogan in here for the deep dive in this one, Jim. If you're listening, get ready to come back the show next week or so to do the deep dive. Monroe will be talking about this as well. Yes. Do you, America, trust William Barr and Donald Trump to release the actual report as it is, or do you expect well, big black marks? I remember like going back to the local elections. Mayor Rahm this is one of my favorite redactions. Uh, re- somebody requested information about uh, the... Um, I think it was a school closing. Anyway, he sent back a blank piece of paper. That was like all the only public document he had regarding the request for the Public Records Act, a blank piece of paper. So I expect, I got this feeling that Barr and Trump will be up to more of the same with the Mueller report, just like blackout, huge chunks on the grounds that somehow or other uh, it is confidential. We can't see it. We, the American people, can't see it. Uh, but it's okay for them, we talked about this yesterday, to allow people who don't have security clearance uh, to get security clearance they get to see it all right so somehow or other we the american people don't get to see it i'm hoping i'm hoping that my libertarian friends in the republican party come hey, out libertarian from, friends come out from under the table stop hiding stop being chicken and join the fight for transparency on all levels of government how about that wouldn't that be interesting all right yeah i don't don't expect it to happen anytime soon but the dems trying to put a little
2: heat on President Trump. So the Mueller investigation, well, it's to a close, but it's still continuing. And now there's uh, another news nationally. Just when you thought our president couldn't sound any more like your drunk uncle at the <laughs> Christmas party, <laughs> Donald Trump raised the bar with his speech last <laughs> night at uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee's annual spring dinner. Oh. By the way, Ben, how jealous are you that you weren't invited uh, to that dinner? First of all, I was invited.
3: It's just busy. Oh. I had to go uh, to Mars. I couldn't make it to the Mars Brewery <laughs> well, last the Mars night. Mars Brew- yeah, yeah, okay. you, know, you know, not Mars, the planet, the Mars <laughs> Brewery in Bridgeport, where Maya and I uh, uh, did our election night coverage. So otherwise, I would have been at that Republican thing. Oh,
2: man, bummer. <laughs> All right, now, obviously, Trump did what he always does at this mm-hmm. speech, troll Democrats. But I don't even think the most feverish of Trump supporters can make sense of some of these statements.
4: If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. <laughs> your house just went down 75% in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? Huh?
3: <laughs> what? What? Is that the noise of the windmill? Yeah, <laughs> sounds like something you do. I know Donald Trump. He's like ah, he's been listening to the show. I lately. Love that show.
2: <laughs> Not a big fan of Monroe, but Spazzato was great.
3: He loves Spazzato. Trump loves listening to the show with Nick Sposano's
2: on. All right, Donnie, we'll bring him back just for you, all right? Yeah, kind of weird, you know? Uh, <laughs> even a zinger on the heavily rumored 2020 presidential candidate and former vice president, yes, personal space invader, Grandpa Joe, Joe Biden. Yeah, even his insult to Biden was a little awkward.
4: We're going into the war with some socialist, and it looks like the only non-heavy sort of heavy socialist He's being taken care of pretty well by the socialists. They got to our former vice president. He's I was going to call him. I don't know him well. I was going to say, welcome to the world, Joe. You having a good time, Joe? Are you having a good time? <laughs> huh?
3: <laughs> what? He is always trash talking Donald Trump. He just he loves doing getting up there and ripping the Democrats. Yeah, obviously, Trump is enjoying it. We had to talk to Monroe about this one. Uh, I'm sure the internal White House polls show Joe Biden defeating Donald Trump. I just have a feeling they show Joe Biden. At this point, it's early. You know, lots can happen. Joe Biden may not even run, for all we know. But I'm sure I got a feeling. I got a feeling, as the Beatles would say, that those internal polls are showing uh, Joe Biden beating Donald Trump. And that's why Trump is so happy uh, that Joe Biden has got caught in hugging gate. Uh, we talked a lot about a hugging gate, his propensity to like, just like start hugging women uh, I like touchy-feely gate. Touchy-feely gate? All right, touchy-feely gate. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm Joe Biden. You really got to stop it, Joe. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, so Trump is really happy. He's hoping, of course, that it derails uh, Joe Biden and uh, keeps the uh, Biden from being, because I think Biden would beat Donald Trump, no doubt in my mind, one-on-one. But uh, again, as I said, we don't even know if uh, Joe Biden will run, much less if he can win the Democratic primary. So Trump is enjoying trash-talking Democrats. He loves doing it. And as long as he's just doing that D and not doing really stupid things like destroying Obamacare, I guess I can sort of take it.
2: All right, we'll play one more piece of audio here. Actually, we'll probably more than likely play that windmill one again.
3: We've got to do that for Monroe. Yeah, we yeah. have to play that for Monroe. Now,
2: you can't see the video of this stupid dinner, but I'll paint the picture for you, okay? Now, this is the part where everyone at the dinner puts on their tinfoil hats. Here's Trump on Democratic voter fraud.
4: You've got to watch those vote tallies. You know, I keep hearing about uh, the election and uh, the, the various uh, counting measures that they have. There were a lot of close elections that were... They seem to every single one of them went Democrat. If it was close, they say the Democrat, well, there's something going on, fella. you got to, hey, you got to be a little bit more paranoid than you are, okay? Look, all these beautiful people, these beautiful Republican congressmen and women. <laughs> but we have to be a uh-huh? little bit careful because I don't like the way the votes are being tallied. I don't like it, and you don't like it either. You just don't want to say it because you're afraid of the press. Oh yeah, <laughs> afraid of the press. But we have to be careful. Oh I must say, not a great performance from Donald Trump.
3: <laughs> Donnie, you got to come and drink a cup of coffee or something. You got to bring a little more to the table. Uh, first of all, I, I agree with Donald uh, John Trump there. I was not happy with uh, the election results, particularly one in 2016 when he got elected. That's number one. And number two, the only. Uh, evidence i know of out and out voter fraud was what was that was that in uh north carolina i think it was a congressional race where they had to redo it because guess what the republicans cheated with their absentee ballots funny donald did not mention that in his speech Uh, (laughs) but uh, the thing about the beautiful republicans and women like what where did that come from uh, beautiful Republicans and women. So Donald Trump is in rare form yesterday in front of what
2: was it? The, the some the congressional yeah, some Republican dinner. No salad had at that dinner by no the way. Salad. All meat and potatoes. Now of course we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along.
4: If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, <laughs> congratulations, your house just went down seventy five percent in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, let's move on from this. You ready just, to
4: find
3: out what's
2: going on in Chicago and/or oh Illinois, my Benny J?
3: God, what a president I was born
2: ready! <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> answer, because coming up after these words from our host Ben Jarofsky, people, we're going to find out what else is news. All right, very good, D. I cannot
3: wait. Hey, everybody, I like to joke around a lot, but let me get serious for a moment and tell you about the Chicagoland cremation options. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland cremation options provides your family a dignified and affordable. Cremation service, Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expense, expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. Sometimes it can save you upwards of thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago, a family-owned and operated business by Douglas Klein. Visit ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, Chicago Land Cremation Options. Dot com.
2: And what the hell, do it one more time.
3: Chicago, land, cremation, options, that's an S at the end of that,
2: dot com. And we're back. It's time to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. The election is over. And starting May 20th, Chicago will have a brand new mayor.
5: We've said it's time to bring in the light. And it's sure shining on all of us tonight. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine.
2: And the former prosecutor and Chicago Police Board President, Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot made history last night by becoming Chicago's very first black female and openly gay mayor. She had a nice little thing to say here about that. If I can play it. There we a go. lot of little there.
5: girls and boys are watching. They're watching us. And they're seeing the beginning of something a little bit different. They're seeing a city reborn. A city where it doesn't matter what color you are, and where it surely doesn't matter how tall you are. Where
0: it doesn't (laughs) matter
5: who you love, just as long as you love Let me say that again. Where it doesn't matter who you love, just as long as you love with all your heart.
2: Now, people, we'd be lying right into your little ears if we told you that this thing was remotely close. Not sure if you heard, but Lori Lightfoot won all 50 Chicago wards last night. And that obviously includes her opponent, Tony Preckwinkle's ward, by 20 points. In all, Lightfoot won 73.7% of the vote to Tony Preckwinkle's 26 The last time a mayor won more than 73% was in February 2003 when Richard M. Daley received 78.46% of the vote. Now, Ben. Because let's face it, (laughs) your younger days are behind you. It's the nicest way I can say it. My younger days
3: were behind me in 2003. In heart, maybe not.
2: Yeah, but But in actuality, in age, I'm young at (laughs) heart. And so let's step into that time machine that you had earlier. What's that sound like again? Uh, (laughs) What was it? It was a hot tub. It was a movie
3: where they go into the hot tub, and John Cusack would go in, and they would go back in time. Hot tub time machine. Am I the only person who saw that movie? I think
2: I saw half of one of them. Okay. Oh, there was There was
3: a second Cup one Hot too, two. Yeah, hot tub too. So let's step into that time machine. All right, I'm in
2: the that hot weird, tub. That man. Weird sounding, or the hot tub. It oh. sounds like Trump's windmill. <laughs> Don't make me play it again. Let's compare and contrast. Ben, <clears throat> take us back to Daly's victory in 2003. And are you getting those Dicky D vibes after uh, Lightfoot's victory last night? Who? Richard Daly. Oh, that's who you're. All right, let me take you back
3: to 2003. That was the one Daly election where I was thinking about voting for Daley. This is true. I never voted for Richard Daly ever. E-V-E-R. And um, yeah, that's ever. No, we can spell that. Uh, and uh, 2003, I was like, you know, I think I announced this to my wife. I think I'll give Daly a chance. <laughs> you know, because we had a friend, I hope Pippi's out there listening, a dear friend of mine who knew Paul Jakes, who was the chief uh, rival to Daley. She said, I don't like Paul Jakes, so don't vote for Jakes. And I said, you know what, for Pippi, I'm going to vote for Daley. And then at the last minute, D, there was that stampede at the nightclub uh, on the near south side. and I think 20 people died. And it seemed like the city was covering stuff up. I just could not do it. I could. So I walked into that poll. and I voted for Paul Jakes. I was one of the 14% of the city of Chicago <laughs> who voted for Paul Jakes. Bless your heart. Proud of that vote, by the way. Proud of that vote. And because the next four years, about a week or two after the election, uh, Richard M. Daly paid back the people who voted uh, him in by tearing up Meg's Field in the middle of the night. Remember that, Chicago? Oh, yeah, your little Daley that you love so much just tore up Meg's Field in the middle of the night. Who, laws don't matter to Richard M. Daly. And then that was some of the four most corrupt years uh, in recent Chicago history, uh, where the feds were investigating all sorts of job tampering accusations and fraudulent affirmative action schemes and hire truck scandals, I mean, in the Sun Times—the Sun Times broke many of those stories. So the City of Chicago in its infinite wisdom reelected daily with eighty—what did you say? Three percent of the vote was that what, what it was?
2: No, no, it was uh, seventy-eight. Oh, Point
3: forty six percent I got you. So uh, I thought Jake's got 14% of the vote. Maybe it was more than that. Anyway, I, uh, and so the city re-elected uh, daily overwhelmingly, and he paid him back by tearing up Meg's Field and uh, having four of the most corrupt years uh, in city history. And then he sold uh, the uh, parking meters. If that wasn't enough, he's, <laughs> he, he that's how you paid your back, Chicago. So, anyway, that's my memory of the 2003 election. Sounds a little different than uh, t- uh, last night's election. A little different? Yeah. Same? How do you feel? Oh, no, I felt much. I was, I like I said, I was singing that Ice Cube song when I woke up. It's a good day. Song
2: sounds nothing <laughs> like that. All right, we're moving on.
3: Had the hug. Please stop. And end up with a fat burger at 2 in the morning. Listeners are gone. The Bulls
2: beat the Sonics. We're just talking to ourselves right okay. now. All right, and you know, unlike winning employee of the month at Applebee's, you don't just get to hang out and smoke weed at home the next day. Yeah, unfortunately, when you're a soon-to-be mayor, <laughs> you got to go out and do stuff. So, okay. Lightfoot greeted CTA commuters at the Clark and Lake Station this morning. Did you happen to see?
3: Uh, no, I did not see oh, her. Shucks.
2: Did you see her? No. Oh,
6: you take that route.
2: Yeah, I take that route too. All the time. I, yeah, I, I missed her. She must
3: have been up a lot earlier than yeah. I was. Oh yeah, more than likely. Because uh, I was at Fat Burgers at two in the morning. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That was actually pretty fun. All right. And today she meets uh, with Preckwinkle for a unity meeting organized by Reverend Jesse Jackson at his Rainbow Push headquarters. Uh, She's also rumored to already have some transition members lined up. But we'll talk more about that later because speaking of Preckwinkle, well, thus far, she's taking last night's loss like a champ.
0: I wake up every day, including tomorrow, just as I have for the last 25 years, fighting to advocate for, and work for, and fighting for my constituents. That's my motivation. And I will take it with me as I proudly continue to serve as your Cook County Board President.
3: Yeah, does that guy in the background, was was it from the ROM? (laughs) I think it is the ROM guy. I'll look for the video. We'll compare and contrast that as well. Uh, No, it was a classy speech uh, from Tony Perkwinkle. I got to wonder if she had let off the campaign with that sort of classy uh, attitude and saying, you know what, we have two fine candidates running for office and we're going to put our ideas out before the voters and see who wins. I don't think she would have won anyway. I think uh, this was definitely a situation where Chicago voters wanted to elect somebody new, a new face, just a whole new a whole new person uh, to run City Hall. Break from the past, but I do believe that uh, Toni Prokwinkle would have been better served to, if she had the same sort of tone and spirit in her campaign as she had
2: in her concession speech. Now last night we also welcomed in a new black female treasurer, Melissa Conyers Irvin. And we welcomed a few new aldermen as the fresh new faces of the 25th and 40th wards. They begin the process of uh, wrapping their heads around all of this. Byron Sigcho Lopez and Andre Vasquez. We have aldermanic elections that are still too close to call. In the fifth ward, incumbent alderman Leslie Hairston holds a 206-vote lead over her opponent. William Calloway in the 46th Ward Alderman James Kappelman and challenger Marianne Lalonde are at a 50-50 split with Kappelman holding the lead by just 23 votes and 33rd Ward Alderwoman Deb Mel refused to concede to her opponent Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez finishing only just 24 votes behind.
3: Yeah, I uh, so much to unpack there. Uh, Maya and I were talking a lot about the automatic uh, races last night, and there was one other race that you didn't mention, which I'll get to. Uh, Matt Martin and Michael Negron. Uh I will say this: uh, when I saw the jubilation from those hipsters in the 33rd ward, they were so happy uh, that Rodriguez defeated Deb. Mel, it made me feel good. I mean, the young people—they go... were so happy. <laughs>
2: Avocado all around.
3: <laughs> By the way, uh, avoc- I, Everybody knows I love avocados. Donald Trump. Threatening to close the border uh, with Mexico will have a big impact, among other things, on my avocado consumption. Oh,
2: yeah. When Ben goes back to butter,
3: <laughs> what am I going to do without avocados? Oh my God, we have to open that up. What can Ben use as an alternative to avocados? Uh, but uh, so they were happy. They were so jubilant. It brought back memories uh, the way I felt back in 83 when Harold Washington won. So good for those uh, folks in the 33rd Ward, although that race is not over. It's probably going to go to a recount. Uh, it was very close. But the race in the 47th Ward, I talked about this yesterday. Uh, I've talked about it a couple times, and this is actually important, not just in the city of Chicago, but uh, in the surrounding area and the whole state of Illinois. Uh, In that race, Matt Martin was running was actually somebody who put an idea out before the public you know i give him a lot of credit because as i've been saying all along this this election has been void of ideas uh the candidates are afraid uh to put their you know just proposals on the table because they're going to be easily distorted by attack ads and the strategists tell them don't you know, you don't make any promises. Don't hold yourself, uh, set yourself up where you can possibly be crushed by a counterattack uh, from your opponent. So everybody just speaks in generalities and platitudes, etc. But Matt Martin actually put an idea out. He talked about a progressive city. Uh, income tax as a way to raise money uh, and then link that to a cut in the property tax and a cut in some of the fines and the fees so we're not so uh, regressively taxing our poorest people. Our most low-income people can at least afford it and we have ways of financing government. It's a good idea. We should look into it. Uh, But what happened? His opponent, Michael Negron, uh, just assailed him with flyers. So many flyers uh, which were taken uh, essentially out of the Bruce Rauner playbook. It was like a Chamber of Commerce attack uh, on the notion of a progressive tax, saying it was going to hit hardest at the middle class, even though it's a, supposed to do the exact opposite. And I just really irritated me, D. Like here we are, we have Pritzker and the Democrats in the state house advocating a progressive income tax, trying to get Democrats to sign onto it, and in the city of Chicago. Uh, We have a Democrat who, by the way, Negron claims that Elizabeth Warren supports him at fighting it using Rauner's rhetoric. And uh, so it's the one instance. That's a mixed bag. Yeah, it is a mixed bag. Uh, Rauner's rhetoric didn't work for Rauner. I don't know why you think it would work for a Democrat in the 47th Ward. Anyway, I was happy to see an overwhelming vote for Matt Martin. I think he got like 62 or 63 percent of the vote. And so at least in one corner of the city, uh, ideas, specific ideas were put out and uh, the candidate was not punished for it. And I've already reached out to Matt Martin, cut a deal. He's coming on the show (laughs) now. He's playing around, D. He's okay. still
2: got it, listeners. For those who uh, followed <laughs> us on the old show. Oh, he's still got it. Cutting deals with the best. Wheeling one. and dealing. Oh, man. And he's been working out. You should see the arm twist these days. <laughs> My Lord. Uh, uh, now, yeah. we talked about this uh, before, like, you know, after the show, just in mm-hmm. discussion uh, to do this. He's got a text from Monroe Anderson. He's two blocks away. All so. right. <laughs> Break the fourth wall uh, for a minute. Uh, Monroe's on his <laughs> way. <sweat. laughs> uh, I never <laughs> where is Monroe? Yeah, we had a little post show meeting. Like, let's just call it out in the open. All right. So, Monroe's two blocks away. We got time still. We got some stuff to talk about mm-hmm. here. So, uh, we got the Aldermanic Cray. Oh, let's do uh, Rom Guy Gate, okay? Uh, people have weighed in on the Ben Jurofsky Show live stream, which you can do as well. Chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com. Click on the Ben Jurofsky Show. <laughs> listen live. <laughs> Send us a message. Say hey. Tell Benny's horrible at singing. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. <laughs> Any uh, Ice Cube fans out there, by the way? Uh no, no. no okay. what, what actually live streamers. Ice Cube fans? Yeah, yay, yeah, nay, nay, yeah. man. I don't know. <laughs> uh so Rom Guy Gates. So for those new listeners here, uh, we always played an intro on our old show. I've done it a few times on this show as well, uh, of Mayor Ram Emanuel. And uh it's uh yeah, the guy there's a guy in the audience there. It sounds like the same guy that was at uh, Tony Preckwinkle's thing. So let me pull this up real quick. Okay, here All it right. is. And let's listen listen for the guy in the background after Mayor Rama says this stupid little thing here.
7: Thank you,
0: Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. <laughs> <Yeah>! That guy <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, all you right. sure so, know how to make a, uh, you sure know how to cook. Now let's yeah. play that Preckwinkle clip again, all and right. let's, let's, uh, let's figure this out once and for all, you know, uh, if this is indeed the same guy. Rom Guy Gate begins now.
0: I wake up every day, including tomorrow, yeah. just as I have for the last 25 years, yeah. fighting to advocate for and work for and fighting for my constituents. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not yet.
0: That's my motivation. That's good. We love you. And I will take it with me as I proudly continue to serve as your Here we go. county board president.
2: I think that's the same guy. <laughs> I heard the same guy
3: there. Yeah, uh, oh my goodness. I think the first time was that a, I think that's 2011. Yeah. Uh, was that two thousand when he first ran, ran and yeah. first won? Uh, and so, the uh, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. <laughs> and, of course, that's like a direct line from that old song, You Sure Know How to Cook. Uh, but if you recall back in 2011, uh, Mayor Rahm was on the ropes. There, that's like an inside joke from eight years ago. He was on the ropes on a couple of uh, residential uh, residency issues. Number one, he a lot of folks thought he was not really from Chicago because he grew up in Wilmette, went to New Trier. Nothing wrong with New Trier. Well, okay. <laughs> all right. Let's keep the New Trier listeners, please.
2: And Miles and I are like, well, Let's... maybe a few things wrong with New Trier. Shout out to all our New Trier listeners. Uh, you guys are awesome. Yeah.
3: Uh, and uh, But secondly, there was the whole issue of whether he was uh, officially a resident of the city of Chicago, uh, whether he had lived here long enough uh, in the months up to the election, or whether he had officially moved to Washington when he went to uh, serve uh f- for uh barack obama's uh chief of staff so it, it, it came down to a supreme court ruling that put him on the ballot and that was the inside joke you know you sure, you sure know how to make a fellow feel <laughs> at home or whatever he says I'm Like, oh god you know what? d i'm going to say this oh, Lord, Lord, say I, know, i'm going to say this what people say oh ben you were hard and wrong from the beginning but I gave him that honeymoon, all right? Let's not forget, I, I gave him the honeymoon, and uh, he was sworn in in May of 2011. And I remember telling Mick I'm giving him the honeymoon, all right? That's
2: it. You were so good. And hosting this show. <laughs> what a segue, my friend, because I was a just ab- I was just about to mention that, oh. that uh, you little three-month honeymoon. Well, Lori Lightfoot is going to be our mayor here starting May 20th. So Ben Jarofsky, with the time we have left in this segment, Monroe, please hurry up, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the time we have left in this segment, please welcome our mayor, or soon-to-be mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, and uh, share with her your wisdom <laughs> as she transitions into office May 20th. All right, well. Ooh Conquistator. Uh. Okay. All
3: right. Uh my first hope I'm gonna put this out here right now and I've said this in the reader several times in my reader column and I've said this on the air as well. My first hope is is that Lori Lightfoot speaks out against the $1.3 billion TIF handout that Mayor Rahm has lined up to give to Sterling Bay to build Lincoln Yards on the north side of Chicago using public dollars to gentrify an already gentrifying neighborhood. At the very least, I believe, as the incoming mayor, she should have the responsibility to look at that deal, see if she's happy with that deal, see if it fits sort of her worldview, if it fits what she wants to do with city finance, she has a, There's a whole list of obligations in the Sun-Times today. Fran Spielman wrote an article, a very good article in the Sun-Times. All the various challenges of that um, Lori Lightfoot will face when she's mayor. She's going to have to come up with a, a new police and fire contract. She's going to have to come up with a new school contract. She's going to have to come up with uh, money to pay off pension obligations. And then there's all the infrastructure issues. Uh, repairs that the city is going to need, all of this is going to cost dollars. And folks are already feeling overtaxed. Folks are already feeling that they're the fines and the fees are piling up, and the city is unfairly um, soaking us for all the money it can. So it's going to be very important that Lori Lightfoot not waste or not squander the money we are giving her, the money the tax dollars we're delivering to her, with something that she didn't even support. I'm talking about the Lincoln Yard deal. Something that she didn't sign on to. And one more time, Lori Lightfoot, I know you know this. Uh, The money that uh, will come to the property tax and to the coffers from that Lincoln Yards deal will not be, we will not get that money for 23 years because it's in a TIF district. And so it'll just go to pay off the project. So I am really hoping at the top of the list uh, that Lori Lightfoot asked that the city council defer action on that deal so she can at very least study it uh, and not tie her hands to spending all that money. That's what I'm hoping. That'd be number one, okay? Number one that she, if she does that, I'll be like, really? I might extend the honeymoon a couple months. It might oh. be a five month honeymoon, oh, all right? My. But I just have this feeling. That she's not going to do that. I I hope I'm wrong on that one. You know, I hope I'm wrong. I don't. Uh, by the way, folks, all you Tony Prokinkle fans out there, she wasn't going to do it either. We had her at the hideout. She was ducking and dodging the Lincoln Yards question, and uh, so I don't think she was going to do it either. I think um, I just got this feeling when power when people get into uh, to City Hall and they have all that power and they can dole out that money. It's just, it's too hard for them to resist. So you ask me what I'm hoping in terms of like the honeymoon, I'm really hoping that she just says no to that Lincoln Yards deal. That's just the starting point. And then we can
2: take it from there. You got three months or you got five months, three to five months.
3: Yes. If she said, yeah, well, I gave Rob three months. So, you know, I think at least I should give Lori three months. How many daily? I think I gave a daily honeymoon lasted about mm, five minutes Uh, (laughs) daily back in 1989. I wasn't feeling daily when he won in 89. I was still, uh, just really down from Harold dying. And, uh, and then the fallout, the fight between Evans and Sawyer, I never got over that. So, um, it took me a long time to get over daily. And then like I said, in about 2003, I was ready to vote for him and, I didn't even do it then. So there's my uh, attitude about Lori Lightfoot. What I want from Lori Lightfoot's uh, uh, term in office, even before she's sworn in. D, this is going to come up in the next couple weeks. So you watch. We'll see what she does.
2: All right. And we have some more audio to play here as we wait for Monroe. Come on, Monroe. Take Elston next time. Uh, Let's see here. We got Here's just uh, some of her victory speech here.
5: Thank you, Chicago. (laughs) From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. A few moments ago, I spoke with Tony Preckwinkle. In this election, Tony and I were competitors, but our differences are nothing compared to what we can achieve together. Now that it's over, I know we will work together for the city that we both love. Today, you did more than make history. You created a movement for change. You know, when we started this journey 11 months ago, nobody gave us much of a chance. We were up against powerful interest, a powerful machine, and a powerful mayor. But I remembered something Martin Luther King said when I was very young. Faith, he said, is taking the first step when you can't see the staircase. Well, we couldn't see the whole staircase when we started this journey. But we had faith, an abiding faith in this city, its people, and in its future. So we took that first step. And as Father Mike says, we let our faith overcome our fears.
3: <laughs> the guy, right. That's what? right. Remember the guy, it was funny. She goes, I remember uh, uh, something uh, Martin Luther King said, and he gets some guy, what? Yeah, <laughs> what? Uh, by the way, I do have a memory. I've talked about this before. Monroe Anderson has joined us. He's uh, he's sitting down. He's getting uh, ready to start talking about Trump, 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 uh, Trump. Uh, but I do have this memory, D, of Lori Lightfoot and you. I wish you put the picture up on our um, Facebook page oh, yeah, yeah. from uh, Sue uh, Su Garza's uh, Labor Day parade it was so hot that day. It was just, it was like a sauna. It was steaming hot. And uh, Lori Lightfoot was there gathering uh, signatures to her petition. And this was when, before Rahm had dropped out of the race. It was, yeah, it's easy to run. And uh, she proved me wrong. So uh, good for you, Lori Lightfoot. Uh you know, she did. She's absolutely correct. Nobody expected her to win, oh, become mayor. What a honeymoon phase you're in right now. Well, yeah, it'll last until Lincoln Yards. <laughs> <laughs> Pull that Lincoln Yards deal. That honeymoon's <laughs> over. I want no fond memories of, the, you know, the Sugars of Labor
2: Day. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. Yes, Lori Lightfoot will be the new mayor of Chicago starting May 20th. And now you will have an answer. The next time someone asks you. Hey, what else is news? Here, let me tell you something.
3: Tell me something. That Lori Lightfoot.
2: Okay, Lori Markin of the Chicago oh, Bulls. Nice,
3: the rookie, <laughs> the, the sophomore, oh, I guess. second year, uh, and Lori Anderson, a great musician. All agree, <laughs> you did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got Monroe Anderson. Right next.
4: If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75% in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? Hey
2: there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Vendrofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J O R A. V in Victory SKY. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.sun-times.com, chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. MLA commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes
3: indeed we are live from the chicago sun times monroe anderson is in the studio with me legendary journalist former press secretary to you, mary Jean sawyer he's here to talk trump 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 and trump we have a whole list of trump things to talk about but i cannot uh, allow this moment to pass tracy bain will be in the studio soon as well we're gonna be talking to her uh about the historic uh, the historic nature of last night's election uh Lori Lightfoot, new mayor of the city of Chicago, Monroe. Uh, you must have been pleased,
1: right? No, yes, I was pleased, although my position was that Lori or Tony was a win-win for, from my perspective, because we would have had a black woman mayor. Uh, however, I'm glad it's, it's, it's Lori.
3: You voted for her twice. Yes. Uh, why did you vote for Lori over
1: Tony? Um, because I went to the hideout, some guy show, and I saw her there, <laughs> yeah. and I was very impressed with her. With
3: Lord Lightfoot's yes. performance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was impressed with her that night as well. She did a good job of dealing with that guy, whoever he was. Right. Uh, Tony, who was also at the hideout with that guy, uh, didn't do as well. Uh, she was ducking and dodging, invading, and all that. Well, oh, that's the... Tony. Yeah, that is Tony. Yeah.
1: In fact, um, mm-hmm. I was on the Heartland Cafe radio show over the weekend on Saturday. Oh, my
3: good friend, uh, Tommy. It's yeah. Tommy's show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and so one of the the people involved with the program, I won't name any names, but she was working for Tony. She said she had been asked to come work for Tony at the last minute, you know, after when the runoff started. I see. And so she went to do it, she said, as a, as a favor to Jan. Uh huh. Congresswoman Jan yeah, Schakowsky. Exactly. And she says that she has known Tony for a couple of decades. Yeah. And most of the time, Tony hasn't even acknowledged her. Yeah. Said anything. And I've had the same experience. You know, Tony is not a people person. Yeah. That's. You know, she's, she, she's basically a bureaucrat. And um, to be mayor of Chicago. You have to be a people
3: person. Well, the last one wasn't much of a people person. Oh, I know, okay? I know. Right. So well, you either that's have
1: to be he's a he's not the mayor. They two term or only
3: right. Two, you either have to be a people person or you have to have Barack Obama's endorsement. One or the other. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Uh, and the last mayor had Barack Obama's endorsement, and now it's pretty obvious to me that's why he won in twenty fifteen. It's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. So he owes it to Barack Obama. We, yeah, of course-
1: yeah because there are stories of uh, where. He's, he was at a restaurant, going to a restaurant, and he goes through the restaurant. It's in the back. The seating's mm-hmm. in the back. He goes straight through the restaurant to the seating in the back where he's going. He doesn't shake any hands. You know about, doesn't uh, any anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just, okay. Get out of my way. <laughs> right. I'm the mayor. Right.
3: Oh, my goodness. Uh,
1: he, the, part of the job is to deal with the residents
3: yeah you have you're right yeah they get to vote you know uh they're the, the paid customers all right let's talk Trump 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 when Tracy comes in we're going to sh- uh, shift the conversation back to local Trump 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 Monroe Anderson uh so much Trump news first of all did you hear that bit that speech he gave uh that Dennis played the oh
1: yeah and I saw it and yeah. you know and the thing is remember I, I was trying to back off that limb when I said he was going to be gone by the independence Day, yes yeah i'm almost willing to go back on it because <laughs> i think yeah he's Auditioning to be a stand-up, he's no—he knows he's not going to be in office much longer, and so he's trying out his stand-up act.
3: Yeah, well, it wasn't very funny. Although it was kind of—I yeah, mean, well, I should yeah, say that it was kind of funny. That, like, when he did well, the windmill sounds, I have to admit, I thought that was yeah, pretty exactly. funny. Yeah,
1: no, 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 no. no. I mean, and remember now, this is a president. It's not a polished <laughs> yeah. comedian. Yeah, he has to work on himself.
3: He's got to work on the hands. Yeah, got to work right, the hands exactly. when you talk. Uh, all right, so. Do you think that a pitch is going to work? Do you think like that attitude where he just laughs at uh, the opposition, he mocks and, and, and them, do you think that that's what he's been doing now oh, for yeah. two years? It's he's gonna, obviously. It's
1: going to work with the 35%. As in the percent. Yeah. The 35%, you know, but if if he tells them water's not wet, (laughs) they're going to be running around arguing with people about whether water is wet or not. That's true. But for Uh, those of us with an active brain, (laughs) it's not going
3: to work. I love talking Trump, Trump, Trump with Monroe Anderson. Water is not wet. Okay, (laughs) Donald Trump uh, trying to convince us. All right, now in the other news of Donald Trump, front page news, it turns out that Mitch McConnell has convinced Donald Trump uh, not to push for the uh, eradication of Obamacare before 2020 election. It's clear. Wait till after you've been reelected. Monroe, (laughs) can the people of the country be that dumb.
1: The 35, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can. They, they, they can be, be that dumb. They still hate Obamacare. I mean, it's amazing. I, um, some of them n- desperately need the insurance. Yes. And so they don't want the ACA. Don't call it Obamacare. Yeah. They desperately need the Affordable Care Act. So they need that. But... They love Obama. I mean, uh, uh, Trump still. I mean, it just it just defies
3: logic. Well, the the one aspect uh, that just I could not help but uh, focus on is this. First of all, there's a court case uh, that there's a, a, a judge who's ruled against Obamacare. So it yeah. may be eradicated by the Supreme Court, yeah. a Supreme Court ruling. So there's yeah. that problem, yeah. exactly. and which, which, you know, it's, there's nothing Trump can do about that. Right. Uh, all right. So, but secondly, the notion is follow this. All right. We know that it's really politically unpopular to get rid of Obamacare if we don't replace it with something. And we realize that we it would probably um, dynamite our chances of winning re-election in 2020. Right. So what we'll do is we'll tell people, all right, we're not going to get rid of Obamacare until after you re-elect right. us. And so the it's like the the underlying assumption is that people are so dumb.
1: Well, no, it's not, it, that's not quite the way it is. It's, they're not going to have a replacement for Obamacare until after he's re-elected.
3: I got news for you. There is no replacement. Oh, I know the the that. Republican Party has never put a replacement exactly, up for no. I know that. an alternative.
1: You know that. They don't know that. You know, you remember Nixon had a secret uh, plan to end the Vietnam War? Mm-hmm. And that was good enough for those who were into Nixon. Yeah. I just promise them anything. Yeah. You know, um, um, Harris. Um, this this black comedian, when I'm not re- remembering his last name, I'm not remembering his first name. But he had this joke where he said that um, it's great to have an ugly woman for a wife because she'll believe anything you tell her. And so you, you tell her. I'm going to the moon, babe. I'll be back in three days. And she says, okay, well, you be careful.
3: Uh, the Robin, re-
1: Robin Harris. <laughs>
3: Robin Harris. Right. Yeah, right. Robin
1: Harris. Right.
2: Uh, Dennis, uh, yeah. we got to give it? Uh, the views and actions of Monroe and <laughs> <laughs> Those are the Ben
1: Dromsky Show. <laughs>
3: Monroe always kind to get us in trouble I'm doing Robin Harris material. I'm like, where's he going with this Robin Harris joke? I know that joke.
1: This is a podcast now. Yeah.
3: Okay, you, right. Or you could do anything you exactly. want. Exactly. Yeah. You, you could.
1: You could be out there. You, uh, don't, have, you don't have to be so, so non-progressive.
3: Although, actually. I learned last night that uh, you don't have to be so non-progressive. I learned last night we're actually going to be on the radio uh, pretty soon. Am I, am, am I supposed to keep that a secret? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, wait, so. <laughs> wait, let that one out of the bag. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's just oh, yeah.
1: forget I ever said okay, that. Okay, we'll forget, forget about Forget I ever that. said that. Let's and, rewind and,
3: that tape. And, <laughs> okay. and, and then
1: I'll, I'll return to my um, radio manners.
3: <laughs> yes, your radio manners. Uh, those are always the best manners. All right. So it just seems as though uh, the Republican Party and Donald Trump are really schizophrenic on the issue of health care. Uh, and it probably, as much as anything else, just exposes just the utter hypocrisy of the Republican Party. They don't want to engage in any meaningful policy debate and discussion. You know, we talk about putting aside our differences and find common ground. They, they, they're just they, just not have even...
1: None. They have they none. They are are, completely out of ideas. I mean, if if you stop and think about it, for the last 8 years they've been running against things mm-hmm. they haven't proposed anything new i mean they 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 blew their wad back in the 90s when they came up with the um the contract on i mean for me yeah <laughs>
3: Uh, well, there it really hasn't. You're absolutely right about their ideology. in The 1980s. It goes back to Reaganomics: cut taxes, right? Uh, and that's basically been the policy. That's his. What when, when Trump cites as his number one accomplishment was having cut uh, taxes on the wealthiest right. people.
1: Well, the only two accomplishments he can can really say that he's he's done is cutting the taxes and and the Supreme Court.
3: Oh yeah, which and packing
1: the court, packing
3: so. the court, which yeah. it does not. Uh, that, that divides as many people as it wins over, if you follow what I'm saying. Well, the because
1: taxes do, 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 Taxes, too, yeah. Yeah, because the rich, of course, are very happy. I mean, By that, and I mean corporations and one percenters. But all those suckers who thought they were going to have $4,000 in, in their uh, bank account not finding that to be yeah, true.
3: They're not finding that to be true and so uh, maybe uh, there will be a uh, economic uprising of in the 2020 uh now Donald Trump the, the other news of course in the last couple of days he's he's talking about shutting down the, the borders right. with Mexico. What is that all about?
1: It's, again, he's playing to the 35. That's what he's doing. He he he, he doesn't all all the promises he made. Mm-hmm. All all, all the promises he made, you know, Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Um, I've I've forgotten he made so many crazy promises, but none of them have come to fruition. Yeah. So he's going back to the wall and to keeping those brown people out at any cost whatsoever, because they're so dangerous that if we don't keep them out, then they're going to be raping white women in the streets.
3: And uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you would uh, articulate it that strongly, but it's probably the underlying theme. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's well, what the dog whistle is. That's the dog whistle translated exactly. And how do you think that plays with the rest of America? With the rest of the sixty-five oh, no. percent,
1: the rest of America is a loser. As is killing Obamacare. Yeah, those are two very popular. I mean, Nobody wants the wall. It's I think it's sixty-seven percent or something, are against the wall. They think it's a waste of money. Um, Obamacare, he almost single-handedly made it popular. <laughs> so Obamacare is popular now. It's um, 50, more than fifty percent approval.
3: Well, I can't believe. I, I mean. There's there's larger ramifications to closing uh, the border, even beyond the wall issue, which is just a waste of colossal waste of right. money.
1: No, well, the reason he's closing the border is mm-hmm. if now, I mean, you know, and, and Trump's logic and stories are moving targets. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when you think you're focused on one, then it becomes something else. But today, the reasoning is if Congress does not give him this this um, bill he wants, where he can um, keep children. <laughs> Yeah, when he takes the children, he can lock them up without people whining about putting children in cages and and things like that. And if they don't give him that legislature, then he's going to close the wall. So there's already been... I mean, the border.
3: Yeah, close the border, right. He's not going to be able to build a wall. He's just going to close the border. Right. And already there's opposition uh, from businesses uh, in this country. Oh, yeah, no,
1: there is... What they're saying is that if he's successful mm-hmm. in shutting down the border, the entries, the, the automobile industry will go out of business. It won't just be GM, it'll be all of them because they're so, we're interdependent on each other at this time, this point. Mexico and the U.S., we, we go back and forth with, with business, parts yeah. to car. Um, Obviously, no avocados, folks.
3: No, I know. I've been uh, bemoaning that. Trust me, Uh, it's all we hear about from Ben Yeah, no, my beloved avocados. Uh, No, it's such a, how do I put this? It's such a um, ridiculous proposal. Right. A nonsensical proposal that will hurt so many people in this country. There's no positive Right. Uh, a positive result from it.
1: Well, now, yeah. If you'll remember, way back when you first started this show on that other on that radio station,
3: the name of which I can't recall yeah, right, right exactly. now. exactly.
1: Well, when you and and I was on from day one. Yes, uh, day one you yeah, were. Right. Monroe Monday. Monroe Monday. Yeah. Not not Monroe Midweek. as right. it is now. Okay. <laughs> anyway, when you started that show, I talked about how. He was incompetent, and that I thought that he suffered from early onset Alzheimer's. It looks like the Alzheimer's is progressing to me, and I, you know, and I only half joke about that. He was on uh, TV last night talking about the oranges of the investigation, do and you, he repeated this several times. Do you have that tape? Yeah, I, I have. Uh. Yeah, I have the audio here. Let's okay. go ahead and hear it.
4: And I hope that this investigation now, which is finished, it's totally finished. No collusion, no obstruction. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. You look at the origin of the investigation, where it started, how it started, who started it, whether it's McCabe or Comey or a lot of them. Where does it go? How high up in the White House did it go? You will all get Pulitzer Prizes, okay? You're going to all get Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, you should have looked at it a long time ago, and that's the only thing that's disappointing to me.
1: Okay, Ben, so if you want to get that Peabody, that's yeah. sure <laughs> you would. Then get on it. You'll know, find out how the deep state... first started going after Trump and how they've done it.
3: All right, well, that brings me to the next topic on our list, and that is um, the effort by the Democrats in Congress to force Donald Trump and William Barr, his attorney general, to uh, publicize, to release the Mueller report, uh, which I I presume at this moment they're redacting huge chunks of it, so uh, it loses all value.
1: See, what confuses me on this, is why would they want to hold on to it when it it exonerates Trump from collusion and from obstruction of justice.
3: You're being like, facetious right now.
1: <laughs> why wouldn't mm. they why wouldn't they just get fact? Seems to me they'd be waving it and they have it all over media everywhere.
3: Well that that was sort of the um the artfulness of his uh, in, initial reaction when they they released the letter yeah. from Barr that said press release yeah it was uh, a press release
1: it was supposed to be a letter uh, but it was uh, in it fact was a, a press release and the,
3: yeah. and the letter said uh, that uh, there was no evidence they were not going to bring charges of collusion that's right. essentially what they said and right. so Trump immediately said I was exonerated right which of course the report didn't say
1: right no and in fact the report quoted Mueller as saying that he could not be exonerated on um, obstruction of justice.
3: All right, so there's a a, a two-part response, a political one and a legal one. The political one has to do with how hard do the Democrats push this issue, and then the legal one has to do with um, our right to know what is in that report. What's your stand on both of those things?
1: Okay, I think the Democrats have to push it. And the Republicans have become my gold standard. Mm -hmm. If this were Obama... Would they be hand-wringing and saying, well, maybe if we push too far, we might lose some voters. I and mean, they would be beating the Absolutely. living daylights out of this. Okay, legally... A way to keep
2: it clean, Monroe. That was good. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Living <laughs> daylights. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right. Now I'm practicing for... Radio. F- ...what may be happening in the future. <laughs> yes. We can't
3: talk about <laughs> Yes. We're not allowed to talk about it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, legally, it's a little more complicated than that because unlike the... Nixon investigation and the Clinton investigation. This one was pulled in because, as we know, Starr went nuts on Clinton. You yeah. know, he started off trying to find out if he's a crook and then late, later found out that he liked to get hit. You know, so uh, <laughs> what was the last quote you gave? <laughs> Remember the last quote. <laughs> the views
2: and actions of Monroe Anderson. And those of the Ben Monroe show. Monroe
3: Anderson determined uh, to have the Sun Times kick us out of our lovely little studio here. <laughs> I, I was talking about as in brain. Design. I see. <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, Tracy Bame is sitting by. We're going to bring Tracy on. Uh, we we'll take a little break. We'll keep Monroe here. We're going to bring Tracy on. She wrote an excellent essay in today's Sun Times. Lightfoot's election latest milestone in a hundred year. G B T Q Journey in Chicago by Tracy Bain, publisher of the Chicago Reader. That's right. She's our boss, Dennis. Put those pizza cartons sorry, away, sorry. all right? Tracy's in the studio. Sorry. Yeah, Tracy. And then the bong. Get rid of the bong, all right. Sorry. Anyway, we're gonna bring Tracy on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tracy's like, wait, Bong? Okay.
3: Right. Oh, yeah, I'm sticking around. All right, we're gonna have Tracy come on. And Monroe's gonna stick around. We're gonna talk about Lori Lightfoot's oh, um Monroe's got some memories on this front, Tracy, because he was there when Eugene Sawyer uh, signed in uh, the equity bill back in 1989. So we're going to have take a little deep dive, folks, a little historical lesson on the significance of Lloyd Lightfoot's election, and I may throw a Grandpa Joe question at Tracy and Monroe as well. So stick around; we'll be right back.
2: Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Hey guys, Dennis here. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, April 3rd is just moments away. But before we get into set hour number two, we have to thank the following unions for helping bring the Ben Jarofsky show back. First off, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us here in this adventure. And of course, today's show and every show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, and live from the Chicago Reader's Suntime Studios on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. So that's right, the meanest arm twister in all Chicago. Still got it, baby. <laughs> we welcome Chicago Reader publisher Tracy Bame, a.k.a. Ben's Boss. <laughs> And we welcome film producer Steve Cohen. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarowski. Yes, indeed. Steve Cohen
3: will be in the studio about a half an hour with Paula Fraley. Uh, They'll be talking about Doc 10. Stick around, folks. Some great documentaries coming uh, to Chicago to Davis Theater on the north side. We got Tracy Bame in the studio. Monroe Anderson is sticking around as well. They're old friends. They go back to the 80s, I want to say.
1: I've known Tracy since she was a teenage girl. Wow. And yeah. it was all good. It was yeah, all right, good. Exactly. Yeah. I knew my mom. Knew my mom. No, 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 yeah. no, her, I worked with her father, Steve Pratt, at the Tribune. And her father was really cool. On Thanksgiving, he would have dinner for the Tribune reporters who had to work on Thanksgiving. So during your lunch break, you could go over there. And, and get a thanks, Thanksgiving meal and then go back to work, which oh. was really and cool.
3: And so you remember a teenage Tracy Bay? Yes,
1: yes. Yes. Saying, Mom, why are you around. putting all these
2: people in my house? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, she
1: was wonderful. She was wonderful.
2: All right, very good. Uh, we have an update from Dennis before we go to Tracy and Monroe. A- Absolutely, we do. First off, just cannot get enough of this clip.
4: If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75% in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? Correct. <laughs>
2: good times good times <laughs> Straight, right. yeah but the national news is going on but big day locally here in yes. Chicago yes we have a new soon to be mayor starting May 20th Lori Lightfoot and we have several new aldermen and a brand new treasurer in Chicago as well mm-hmm. we went to both the Ben Jarofsky show Facebook and Twitter pages to ask all of you a question if you could describe last night's elections in one word what would it be one word Quite a few of you have reached out to us on the Facebook page. Well, we had one person reach out on the Twitter page, but hey, come on, step it up, Twitter audience (laughs) there. But uh, on the Facebook page here, we'll read a few of these words, and we'll get your guys' thoughts on it here. How about Mark? Oh, Mark Sims. posted our our good friend Mark Sims. Good friend Mark Sims. Uh, He puts demographics. That was his word. Oh, and then he put a little winky face yeah. emoticon on oh, there. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Right. Aaron Goldstein, I think this really is uh, the word here because we heard it so much. I, I think I have audio of that as well. Uh, Aaron Goldstein, another guy we know. AG. Change. Change, okay. Yep. yep. That was a big word. They said mm-hmm. it quite a bit there. They sure did. Our friend, our Facebook friend Jocelyn weighed in. She said, uh, awake. Oh, was Chicago came awake, all right. How about Marguerite? She says, bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's cut from the same cloth <laughs> I'm cut from. Deborah, Deborah posted here. Uh, if you could describe last night's elections, all the elections, you know, in uh, one word, what would it be? Deborah puts disappointed. Oh wow, disappointed. I haven't disagree with that one but whatever on to babs uh babs one word well i put a hyphen so i guess in a way it's two words i don't mm-hmm. know he put anti-machine mm-hmm. yeah definitely that was definitely prevalent mm-hmm. last night all right john put way more than one word but we're gonna read <laughs> it anyway john come on one word but anyway he puts uh, mayor harold washington's legacy continues the war is finally over uh, yeah, well the legacy
3: was interrupted for about 30 uh, some years. So I guess you could say uh it continues with a 30 year interruption.
1: Uh, no, there's a, there's a 30 year you 100 know, year war. <laughs> this is a,
2: the 30 year interruption. Yeah, exactly. Our good friend Ben puts oops. Oops. Yep, just put oops. oops. Uh how about uh let's see. I saw one that was really interesting. I, you know, maybe it's uh, over my head. Maybe you guys get it. I don't know. Greg put chunky. Um yeah, I'm not really sure not, <laughs> not sure what Greg's that means either. Unless,
1: unless he's referring to what a chunk of chocolate.
2: <laughs> yeah, that could be could, what he's referring could to. Be. Could be. <laughs> not sure. <laughs> not sure. Uh, we'll do uh, two more here, one from Tess. Tess puts lit and then has a picture of a flashlight there. Right. So, you know, yeah. she's doing the Lightfoot right. joke right. there. And uh, we had a gentleman reach out on good. Twitter. Don't uh, have the exact um, name. I believe DS was right. the name. He just puts finally. Finally. I agree with that one. I, I
3: had relief. That was mine. Uh, relief. First of all, the election season had come to an end and that the ROM era had come to
2: an end and or was coming to an end. So. And over to the Ben Drosky Show Facebook page and Twitter page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show, Facebook and Twitter, Benny J Show. Give us your one word and who knows, we may read it on the air.
3: Very good. All right. Tracy Bame in the studio with me. Monroe Anderson sticking around as well. Tracy, do you have a word that sums up? Your-
8: Possibilities. I think there's great possibilities in front of us and hopefully that Lightfoot fulfills the promises and bridges the gap because there's certainly a lot of people that were not supportive of her, including within the LGBT community, a lot of younger folks and people of color. So I hope that she can really bridge those gaps.
3: Well, uh, last night uh, at our our party that we had, uh, the reader sponsored at uh, at the Mars Brewery uh, in Bridgeport, uh, there were some uh, folks who came on our show with Maya and myself and expressed disappointment uh, in very strong terms and um, along the lines that you're talking about. So maybe to help them out, maybe make them feel a little bit better, uh, Tracy, let's talk about uh, the historical ramifications that went down yesterday uh, as I've been saying all day Uh, uh, Tracy wrote an uh, essay in today's Sun-Times urge everybody to read it Lightfoot's election latest milestone in a hundred year LGBTQ journey in Chicago Tracy talk a little bit about this Uh, first of all you've been along for the ride because uh, you were the publisher of Windy City Times so let's talk about a little bit about uh, what the state of gay politics was like in the 80s when you first started writing
8: When I started in 1984, there had not really been any openly gay elected official yet. There was someone who had won a delegate position uh, for John Anderson in 1980, and that was a huge (laughs) progress at the time. Um, So really, the, the movement shifted entirely in the 1980s because of the AIDS crisis. At the point in 1984, when I started, there were fewer than 100 cases diagnosed, and, the, and you could really name all the openly LGBT people in Chicago. It was a couple hundred people who were willing to show up, turn out, maybe a few thousand others that would be in the social part of the community, the sports part, and show up to protest Anita Bryant mm-hmm. or pride parades. But a couple hundred people were really carrying the water for the community for a very long time. But AIDS forced people into a more public sphere to fight back for their lives, literally. And some of those people, including Dr. Ron Sable, ran for office in 1987. Baton Show r- Lounge owner Jim Flint ran for Cook County Board when it was a, a citywide race for county board. He got votes in every single ward. Um, so those people started to have a higher profile and out of Sable's campaign came a, came a progressive movement and Impact was formed, an LGBT PAC. Um, it was the second pack that had been formed. And then Tom Keola came a few years later as the first significant openly gay elected official for judge in 1994. 25 years later, we have an openly LGBT mayor who's African-American woman. 25 years. So, yeah, it's a 100-year movement because first gay rights organization was in 1924 but really the significant work on elected officials started once uh sable and, and flint ran in the late 80s
3: you know tracy i remember both those campaigns i wrote about them for the reader in fact if you guys look in the archives you'll see the ben Jarofsky, uh jim flint story yeah. where i went to the baton and the, saw the show and uh he was an interesting character uh running for uh, uh cook county board you're right it was citywide at the time uh but the sable one was a really important election, my humble opinion, Tracy, because Ron Sable, aside from being uh, openly gay and, and not being afraid to admit it, was really a committed progressive. Uh, and championing all kinds of progressive issues, running on the north side as an ally of Mayor Harold Washington. And it was like, I remember being disappointed, and let's talk about it a little bit, the response of many of the gay leaders in that area cut a deal with Bernie Hanson. you remember this? Oh, yeah. Hanson the-
8: was not necessarily anti-gay, but he was not pro-gay either. And he there were a lot of gay bar owners, a lot of gay business people, and a gay liaison um There were a lot of people against Sable's campaign, let's put it that way, in the gay community. Um, And he came within a few dozen votes. It was less than 100 votes in that 1987 election. It scared the bejesus out of a lot of white, um, conservative alder people. It helped, really. I think, uh, cement the human rights ordinance a couple years later because they realized the clout of the gay community across the city. That Hanson, one of their friends, almost lost an election. The next time Sable ran, he lost by a lot more because Hanson really became much of a different can. campaigner and elected official. Well, as
3: the kids say, he woke. <laughs> and uh, Bernie Hansen saw the writing on the wall. He, he realized that gay people get to vote, too. And, uh, you know, so uh, might as well get their votes. And it didn't take much, in my humble opinion, to win over many of those leaders of the gay community in Lakeview area, mm-hmm. Boys Town area. And again, I'm speaking as, you know, a Harold Washington guy. I was very disappointed because I thought Ron Sable truly, in fact, there's a, a Ron Sable award to this day, which yeah. I have to say it won once. Uh, Uh, But it just speaks to his legacy uh, as a a real progressive. You know, there's so much talk about progressives, Mm -hmm. Tracy, and some are uh, uh, not real progressives. Yeah. but uh, yeah, do we, do you think that set back the cause, if you will, when Ryan Sable was not victorious in oh, 1987?
8: not at all. Because he came so close, he not only shifted the whole landscape in the city council, because now they were on warning about the gay rights bill, that they were vulnerable. Eugene Schulter was vulnerable. I had started a gay rights group in the 47th Ward. I lived there then. And we were going after Schulter because he was against the gay rights ordinance. So they, were, all these aldermen who were in areas where the, the ground was shifting, that Sable campaign was like an earthquake they knew that they had to change and they eventually voted for the gay rights bill and also just became different um, alderpersons. persons Burke was like that even though he didn't have a lot of gay folks in his district that were active he knew the writing was on the wall, too.
3: All right, let's talk about, Monroe has some great memories on the gay rights bills, because at the time, Monroe was press secretary to Eugene Sawyer, but Tracy, just talk a little bit about what was in the gay rights bill, like, what was the gay rights bill?
8: Well, under Harold Washington, the bill had failed, and it was important for the community that a vote was had, because a lot of people talked out of both sides of their mouth at the time, said they supported, but then when it came down to actually voting, we wanted to know who was on our side, so it did lose, and people were like, oh, it's so sad it lost. No, now we had people on the record we can run against them we can fight against them so then by the time Sawyer took over uh, for Washington the movement was much stronger certainly the AIDS crisis caused a lot of that um, outward movements happening and uh, we had people that were much more scared of the community and of course a few people that were elected that were more progressive during that time
3: yeah so it came down to uh, a vote and uh, Monroe take the story away you were there with uh, Eugene Sawyer
1: yeah um, I was his press secretary John Henry, who was a, a, a columnist for Windy City Times, back then was a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and we had discussed the bill. I arranged uh, for a meeting. A group of gay activists came in and met with Sawyer. He was getting great resistance on the bill from the black ministers on the south and west sides of the city. Mm-hmm. So his position, because he, 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 he was concerned about his base, was that he didn't think he was going to support, support it for fear of the black ministers. After the meeting, just the two of us in his office, in the, in the mayor's office, I said, you need to support the building. It's the right thing to do. I said, they are being discriminated against as we were discriminated against. And now I don't know if I single-handedly did this or there were other people saying the same thing or what, but anyway, he supported the bill and, mm. and it got through.
3: It got through. Yeah, uh, I have always felt, Tracy, and uh, i love to hear your thoughts on Monroe's as well. Monroe's heard me on this subject many times, uh, that the level of opposition uh, in the black community to gay rights has always been exaggerated by virtue of the fact that there were some very loud uh, voices, the uh, ministers that he was alluding to. I remember there was a gentleman named Hiram, Hiram Crawford uh, in the I 80s. I stood up
8: to Hiram Crawford one time, and he was like three feet taller than me. And he was shouting down in front of the city hall, and I was trying to report and yeah. interview him, and he was just screaming at me as an openly lesbian reporter. Was he m-
3: openly mocking you? or No, like-
8: no, he just was spouting his normal... Craziness. You know, well, he, he, he
3: was, was crazy. Go, he, he was OK. See, that's my point. So he would go on and on about uh, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right. That was his big line. He was very proud of that line. And 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 then so the attitude that many people walk away was, oh, well, if this man is a minister, he must speak for a lot of people in the black media. I have never seen a result in an election in which that was a pivotal uh force.
8: No, that. let me let me just say this. Cardinal Bernardin was the chief reason the gay rights bill, bill bill failed the first time and barely made it the second time. So the Catholic Church exerted the influence in that in that bill in the 80s, not the black church. The black church certainly had its influence, but the vast majority of the black and Latino aldermen of that era backed the gay rights bill. It was the white ethnic community that had to be brought around, and in part, on the day the first major vote happened, the cardinal's office had a letter on in the city council on the desks of all the aldermen in the city council opposing that bill. So no, it was the Catholic Church that was the real big force fighting against this. And eventually there was a compromise, it was called the Human Rights Ordinance, included a lot of other categories, not just sexual orientation. So there was a compromise made with the church, the gay community, it was forced to meet with the white Catholic Church to make changes to the bill. That never happened with the black evangelical or other religious organizations, the power was in the Catholic Church. So I agree with you. The vast majority, the first sponsor of the gay rights bill was Alderman Cliff Kelly, African-American man in the early 1970s, elected official. Anna Langford was in, you know, her speech on the city council floor in favor of gay rights was amazing. So it really is, you're totally right. It's disproportionate. Certainly there were oppositions among all different ethnic groups, um, but the white media tended to focus on the black church's opposition and not their own bosses, the Catholic Church.
3: Yeah, the Catholic Church. I, that brings back so many memories. And what were some of the uh, arguments that the that were at, advanced by the church uh, to oppose the bill?
8: They are the exact same arguments they're using today to fight national LGBT equality, that they would be forced to hire gay people. The Catholic Church is still firing gay people in, within their realm um, to provide health care in their institutions, um, to give them adoption rights. All these things the Catholic Church and other churches are fighting still today. The religious freedom bills that are happening across the country, right to serve bills, are very much in the same vein. The Catholic Church wanted the ability to discriminate. They didn't want anybody to force them to do anything they didn't want to do. And nobody wants to force religious organizations to do things that are specific religious but if they are entering the public sphere and doing things and providing services like adoption they need to do that on equal footing otherwise don't stop taking government money you get tax breaks already as it is you should be paying property taxes and water bills like everybody else if you want to discriminate um and then we'll fight you um so i that's what it's always been and it continues to be they want the right to discriminate nobody would let them say that about not wanting to have um you know, provide services to someone based on their race or other things, this is one of those last areas where they can get away with it because of moral, quote-unquote, moral issues. But believe me, a lot of them would like to discriminate against a lot of other factors, too. This is just the one that's in front of them.
3: Absolutely. So how did, uh, how did you forge a compromise? What was the language that was inserted uh, into the bill that finally got the Catholic Church to back off a little bit?
8: I don't have the bill right in front of me, but people like John Henry Damsky, Rick Garcia, Art Johnston, Lori Dittman, the Gang of Four, as well as some other people like Bill Kelly, were part of the negotiations to write compromise language. There are already a lot of protections for religions in in the law, so they probably just basically reiterated what was already in existence, which is that religious institutions have a lot of rights um, that stop short of of what, what they had wanted. So it was definitely a compromise.
3: And when the, the, the bill finally passed, do you remember the vote? Was it, um, a content, was it a close vote? I can't remember. From 1989, was it a close vote or was it uh, pretty much a slam dunk?
8: You know, I would have to look it up. It wasn't uh, necessarily a slam dunk, but I think they knew going into it that it was going to win. Um, it was interesting because Daly was in his um, trajectory As state's attorney to run for mayor, and a lot of things were happening behind the scenes with that bill because the next candidates did not want it to be on their desk. Mm -hmm. So daily, a lot of people give him credit for supporting the bill behind the scenes and convincing some aldermen. My feeling is he just wanted to get it out of the way before he served,
7: (laughs) and he was doing all
8: this other manipulation to be able to get elected. And so, if he could get a few votes by saying he helped twist a couple of arms to get that bill passed, he would do it. So, and Tim Evans was in the mix, and so there was a lot. We benefited. from the competition that was happening.
1: Although, you know, it's really interesting because I tried to talk Mayor Sawyer into uh, participating in the gay pride parade. And he was skittish about that. And then the black policeman who says security Mm -hmm. told him um, that he shouldn't be in it because it was a security risk. And that's how he. That's, uh, how, that's how he got he, he out. Ducked of it. Yeah, he ducked and dodged that one. It. Yeah, and Daly was in in
3: it. No, well, yeah, we'll Daly's talk about that. Like, but I just have to point out yeah. uh, Tr- Tracy Bain's analysis, which I completely agree with. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Richie Daly uh, pushed it through, so he didn't have to sign it. Right. Shows that there may actually be a journalist in town, even more cynical than I am. Tracy Bain, <laughs> what a cynical interpretation! <laughs> but I completely agree with you, yeah. Tracy. Yeah, no, that makes uh, that makes total true. sense. Yeah. I don't want to deal with it. Right. Let's get right. let Eugene Sawyer deal with the consequences. Right. somebody else right you and know i
8: think that he might have said that that could have hurt sawyer in the election yeah. right like everything was a calculus
3: all right now i have always given my gay brothers and sisters a lot of grief uh and it's the 30 years of it i think i'll let go i think the statute of limitation has expired tracy bame uh mayor daly i believe in 89 or 90 don't quote me on the date marched in the pride parade And after that, the vote on the north side, well, it was probably his anyway. Uh, You know, as an old Harold Washington guy, I really struggle with these issues, Tracy. Uh, But, you know, when I watch north-sider liberals vote for uh, Richie Daly year after year after year, regardless of what his, like black people getting tortured on the south side or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, let me tell you why that happens. I I covered the Harold Washington race. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that the lakeside liberals, as they were known, were a little vague, you know. They they weren't quite committed, but then you got Newsweek and Time magazines putting the race mayor or race on the cover mm. and and just talking about how horrible it was. Yeah, and these people who had friends all around the country and in the world were embarrassed. embarrassed, yeah, and so they've, they 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 stepped up for Harold because they just they don't want to be known as being racist. think yeah. that's that's a theory. Well,
3: I mean, that that's that's probably explains why some people may have voted in '83. It was embarrassing. Bernie Epton would be forced to do it, but I'm talking about in '8 in '90 90 or '91. Whenever Daley marched, I think he marched once right. in the Pride Parade. Yeah, and you yeah. uh, know, right. it, it was such a big deal that the mayor of the city of Chicago would march in the Pride Parade. And after that, I don't think there was any doubt that Mayor Daley was going to get the vote uh, in the forty. Fourth Ward, uh, etc. Do you ever find that, like, I don't know, that they, that uh, activists on the north side gave up too much to Daily just for having marched in that parade?
8: Well, I mean, I see the LGBT community a little more nuanced than it gets often covered. So I know that I was covering people that hated Daily from day one and <laughs> and loved Harold or loved yeah. Jane Byrne. You know, the race in eighty seven was interesting. Uh, the re-election of Harold Washington far more gay people supported him by then than they had the first time. The first time it was a fight because Jane Byrne had done some stuff for gay people more than any other mayor, of course, certainly than Daley Senior. So Jane Byrne actually had the diva vote, right? Like people thought she was going to be good and she actually wasn't bad. Um, on the issues, but then once Harold was reelect was running for re-election, the community more solidly was behind him. But remember, Byrne ran again. Yeah, in '87. So, so some gay people supported Byrne. So there's never been a monolithic LGBTQ community. It's been divided on class and race, and especially geography, for its whole existence. So I've never seen, yes, that Northside Lakefront tax you know, taxpaying folks vote, vote a little differently than a lot of other folks in a lot, uh, other parts of the city. The problem was once Daley rejiggered that election, stri- you know, where it's a general election, mm-hmm. you created, he always would have somebody knocking off the more powerful candidates. Tim Evans could have been mayor. Um, but the divided vote allowed Daley to create this whole, you know, years-long uh, leadership and kingdom. And he had really weak opponents over the years. So... I I think that there were people that got LGBT support before um, you know before this all happened recently with uh, Lori Lightfoot but Daly just had a he just had a monopoly. That yeah. was the problem.
3: He had a monopoly. By the way, my next guests have walked in. I love it when guests come on time or come early. Relax, guys. We've got Tracy Bayman, Monroe Anderson. We're taking it. You guys could take out your pens and paper, Steve Cohen and Paula. Take notes because we're doing a little history lesson about gay politics, the history of gay politics uh, in the city of Chicago. Lightfoot in a landslide. Tracy, I've never asked you this question, so I got you here. you got the microphone. You're going to have to answer it. Uh, do you think... Uh, that um, Tony Preckwinkle was blowing a dog whistle in that first debate, or I don't know if it was the first debate, but in the Carol Marie no, debate. No,
8: I okay. do not. Mainly because Tony has decades of LGBT rights support. I could be naive on this, but I absolutely don't think that was a dog whistle. It doesn't mean other people didn't interpret that way, and I respect that they do. I think that Tony was awkward in the answer, It was, but it didn't feel like it was intentionally trying to get other people It's not like Lori was closeted, and it's not like all those people didn't know. So I think think that I give her a pass on that particular thing because, really, she was a longtime LGBT rights supporter. I don't see why she would have taken that approach in that. I think there were many other mistakes she made All the way from not running four years ago to not running uh, for rerunning for Cook County board president. There's a dozen other things I would say that lost her this race and also were bad things. But I don't think that particular thing was a dog whistle.
1: Monroe, have I asked you this already? Yeah, you did. And I wasn't sure. But now I, I agree. With Tracy, yeah, on, on that, I don't okay. know. I'm a
3: little skeptical. I guys, guy, maybe it's that cynicism kicking in, Tracy, babe. Just of all the things yeah. to compliment.
1: Well, see, but, Lori okay, Lightfoot But listen on. to
8: the whole answer. The whole answer provides a lot more nuance than just saying she said it. And I heard it again yesterday, and I thought, you know, I stick with my original interpretation. There was a lot of nuance she brought up in that answer that helped me get to the point of my decision that it wasn't a dog whistle. All
3: right, now what, uh, when you saw the flyers came out, uh, it was outside some black churches, uh, When was it, a couple weeks ago, Monroe? About yeah, three weeks yeah. ago. Uh, what was your thoughts of that? What do you think, who do you think was behind that?
8: You know, I don't know, but I'm really surprised there wasn't more of that. I mean, we are, we are not that far forward in the LGBT rights movement that that stuff is surprising. You know, it still happens all over the country. So I don't know where it might have originated. We have some really homophobic and transphobic people in this, that live within the borders of the city of Chicago, of all races and all backgrounds. So I guess I'm not shocked by that kind of stuff anymore. I actually would have thought there'd been more.
1: Monroe, do you feel the same way? Yeah, you know they were also distributing um, white nationalists, white supremacist um, flyers in the Beverly area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this hate, hate reared its ugly head.
3: Well, I have to say, if if there was a, a an attempt to dissuade people to vote against uh, Lori Lightfoot. It collapsed, (laughs) it failed, colossally. It was a a huge triumph for her. Landslide victory, Tracy, every ward in the city. And uh, all that talk, one more time, about black voters not going for an openly gay person, out the window. Uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot won the 4th Ward, which is Tony Prickwickle's home ward. She won the 5th Ward, which is just south of the 4th Ward. Yeah, I always think of the 4th and the 5th as an extension of one another, you know. The 3rd Ward, which is just to the north. So it was just across the board. Um, what do you think the—how uh, do you think the press is going to cover, like, the the whole issue of the first family? You know what I'm saying? Like, we always we're, we're always talk about the first—like, the first—I I didn't even— this is. I think was Rom the first one who talked about the first lady. Wasn't Rom like? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Crane's
8: heard. had a nice piece today on the first lady. The first ladies, first lady or something like that on Amy, and Amy has a lot of experience with Chicago Public Library. She's got her own work that she's done in the city of Chicago, and I like to see that piece, because it did give a, a more well-rounded picture of her. I loved that Lori put her family in the commercials. There were so yeah. many precedents set for her, and now she...
3: Alright, now before I let you go, I, I can, Joe Biden's pedic nominee for President Monroe Anderson.
1: Uh, no, no, in the sense of when you have a man in the White House who bragged about... Uh, grabbing women's private parts mm-hmm. than the idea that some guy's giving a, a a woman a back rub and kissing the back of her, her head with uh to for whatever reasons. But the problem is with him is he's not a man of the moment because we so talk about Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's basically he's too old. And I could say that as somebody who's,
3: <laughs> who's old, who's old, right? And so, yeah. um,
1: and you know, he's he, ha- he. Not only does he have a history, but also he has a a way about him that comes from another generation. And I think that's the problem. Um, so,
3: the greater- so
8: I would say this to people listening: um, Why does he only do it to women if it's innocent? Um, he never does it to men. Um, I don't think it's a disqualifier to run. Uh, I hope people would vote their own decision on that. My disqualifier for him to run is Anita Bryant. I mean, Anita Bryant, of course not. Anita, Anita, Hill. Hill, right, Anita Hill. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Anita no, Hill. Is, that that's, is, that's, that's, to me, that's, that's, that's he, that's that was his, his original problem.
3: sin. Yeah, and let, just to help folks out a little, our younger people, that, of course, Anita Hill was a law professor who came out in 1991 and accused Clarence Thomas, who was being nominated to the Supreme Court, of harassing sex or harassing her, uh, it, there's, if you read any of the literature, uh, Tracy Bame, you know that she was telling the truth. And Clarence, with that little act he put up about a high-tech lynching oh, yeah. to try to divert yeah. attention. And okay. Joe Biden was the chairman of the Judiciary okay. yeah, Committee. Yeah, but
1: but in, in Joe's defense. Oh,
3: here we okay. go. Defending yeah, right. Joe exactly Biden. Right, I right know,
1: which is horrible. <laughs> okay. But he's the one who pushed Obama into the evolving on gay marriage, uh, And...
3: I'll tell you what, I've said this many times yeah. on the show, Tracy Bame, I don't know if you, you've seen this. If you go back, if you just Google Joe Biden and gay marriage, you will see a clip from his debate in the 20, 000, the 2008 uh, vice presidential debate. Who was it, the vice president? Oh, Sarah Palin. Yeah. And the issue was gay marriage. And Biden just says he declares it it's it's like a shock to hear it under the uh, Obama Biden and I'm paraphrasing it uh, administration there will not be gay marriage in this country he just blatantly
1: yeah, says okay it. no let me finish okay see, you the thing is he evolved now if you remember at the beginning of the, at the election um, he talked about Obama being a nice clean <laughs> uh, uh, articulate yeah. black guy uh-huh. you know which was incredibly racist. And they they became best friends. What I'm saying is, you can change, but he has so much change to do, and he has some chains around his neck that I don't think that he should be the candidate. That's what I mean by he's old. He has he has too much mm-hmm. history.
3: Tracy, yeah. do you have a front runner in the race? Do you have anybody that you favor at the moment? You know,
8: moment? I'd love a Kamala Harris Pete judge uh, ticket. That's right now, that's my...
3: Okay, that's your dream ticket. Uh, all right. I like Mayor Pete a lot. Mayor Pete, we're trying to get him on the show. Mayor Pete, you're listening. Come on the show, all right? Uh, all right. Tracy Bain, thank you so much. Monroe Anderson, thank you so much. We got uh, Steve and Paula. There was a group called Steve and Paula back in the 60s, I want to say. They're on deck. They're going to be talking about the great documentaries at the Doc 10 Film Festival. We'll be right back after this.
2: Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, one until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J-O-R-A, V as victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live-streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, that commercial break's over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All
3: right, we'll do Steve, uh, Steve Cohen, and Paula Fraley in the studio with me, and uh, they were always on the old old show. Now they're on the new show. Uh, they are the brains behind Doc Ten, which is a great documentary film festival at the Davis Theater in the North Side of Chicago. I'm getting. I'm doing this off the top of my head on the corner of Wilson and Lincoln Avenue. Pretty good, right? Not yeah, bad, you know. huh? And <laughs> I haven't uh, lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't lost it, Steve. It's usually <laughs> what I do. It's under this table here. I just take it and put it right back. Uh, anyway, welcome back, you two. Welcome. Uh, what about our new digs? Huh? Nice, 90- nice. We will follow you anywhere. Baby. <laughs>
7: yeah, that's right. Off a cliff
3: <laughs> into the lake.
7: In a dark alley. It doesn't matter.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, in a dark alley. Uh, this is a tremendous film festival, folks. I cannot sing its praise enough. I've already purchased tickets uh, for the one of one of the documentaries to be showing there. Before we get into the specifics of what you have coming up, and uh, uh, either one of you start, uh, just tell folks what the festival is, How when does it start, how long does it last, that kind of thing.
7: So Doc 10 runs from April 11th to the 14th at the Davis Theater, as you said, 4615 North Lincoln. Uh, We showcase 10 of the best documentaries that have uh, not premiered in Chicago, have not been released yet in any of the streaming platforms, and uh, they are fantastic stories. They run the gamut from uh, immigration to climate change to... Uh, uh, What else,
9: Do Satanic Temple.
7: Oh, the (laughs) Satanic Temple, that's right. So uh, we've got something for everybody.
9: (laughs) Uh, Each of the movies shows once during the course of the festival, so you are able to see all 10 movies if you want to. Uh, uh, All of the movies have had their festival premieres at the major festivals in the world, from uh, Toronto to Sundance to Tribeca to... Uh,
7: hot, dogs, to hot so dogs south by right
9: and uh, we're bringing him to chicago as well as a lot of events around the movies so in addition to the movies we have a vr experiences for people to see we have panel discussions for people to participate in we have dinners for people to be able to enjoy if they want to and we have a special sunday pitch session where six filmmakers who are in the midst of making what we know are going to be great documentaries, we'll pitch their projects to a group of people who are sitting in, at the Carbon Arc Theater, which is housed at the Davis Theater, uh, for brunch, and listening to the pitches and seeing footage, of their, uh, footage or trailers of their upcoming movies. Uh, we use it as a, both a crowdfunding source as, a, as well as giving audiences a way to see what the next great movies are going to be.
3: So wait, I, I didn't know about the Sunday uh, pitch session. In other words, and it's open to anybody? but there are funders in the room who are listening and, so a determination will be made after this, uh, Paula, as to whether they'll finance the film? Is that yeah, correct?
7: Yeah, it showcases, like Steve said, six films that are in progress currently mm-hmm. that we think are fantastic stories that need funding to get to the finish line. Uh, they pitch to a panel of folks that uh, have the capacity to support it, but we also encourage people in the room as they're having brunch and drinking mimosas to also perhaps open up their wallet and give anything they can in order to help these movies get made.
9: So to give you an idea, the panel of, of reviewers uh, includes uh, one of the Sundance programmers, uh, somebody from the head of Neon, which is one of the great, uh, w- the documentary uh, buyer from Neon, which is one of the big buyers of, of documentaries.
7: Synetic Media. S-
9: Synetic Media, which is one of the biggest uh, media companies in independent, uh, independent film. And who else? Paula oh, Paul Fraley, yeah.
7: the Frally, co-founder the of Chicago Media Project. Yeah. That's right. We uh, yeah, happen to fund movies.
3: All <laughs> right. Now, uh, so these are movies that uh, will perspe- uh, could possibly be made. Let's talk about the movies that have been made. Mm-hmm. And at this, uh, the top of the list is The Infiltrators. Talk about that, Steve.
9: Well, The Infiltrators is a movie that actually CMP has been a major funder of. It premiered at Sundance uh, this past January. The movie is about a group of dreamers who purposely get themselves detained uh, and put into a detention center in order to infiltrate it in uh, Florida back a few years ago. uh, Both to be able to tell the stories of those people who were being detained there, as well as to help them understand what their rights were, because so many of them were improperly detained and shouldn't been there, be there. The movie not only profiles the dreamers, but it also tells the stories of three of the people who they meet there, including one um, wonderful Argentinian gentleman named Claudia Rojas, who uh, is wrongfully detained um, and uh, ends up ha- ha- starting a um, a hunger strike in order to be able to get attention to his his situation as well as the situation of so many others, uh, and does end up getting released. Unfortunately, we have some very sad news to tell, which is that um, after the movie premiered at Sundance, and by the way, it won the Audience Award for one of the categories as well as the Innovative Technique Award, and we'll get into that in a minute why, and has gotten a lot of publicity. Uh, after that happened, uh, Claudio, in his first check-in with ICE after the movie premiered at Sundance, was put back into detention. That was about a month or so ago, and um, now who is Claudio? Claudio is is one of the three main subjects of the movie. Uh, who is who's profiled? His his situation.
7: He's and, undocumented father, grandfather. Um,
9: Fifty-year-old man who had a job all his the, the whole time he's been in the United 20 States. Twenty years. Twenty years in the, the United States.
7: Um, and Has done his you know check-ins every time he's needed to over that course of time. He goes for his regular check-in after the film premieres and he's detained.
9: They put him back in detention. And he and was, last night they deported him. Last night the uh, ICE. Uh, decided to put him on a plane and send him back to Argentina where he has not been for over 20 years. Um, Leaving behind
7: his family, which includes a new grandson.
9: We tried everything we could through both legal and political resources to try and prevent the the deportation. But ICE was adamant to about um, putting him on a plane and sending him to a place where he hasn't been for 20. years. So
3: obviously, this is not going to be in the the movie. It's this is not the this uh, chapter, if you will, mm-hmm. is not in the um, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, he, why? What's the stated reason for setting him back?
7: Uh, we believe that it had to do with the fact that he was part of this exposure of the injustices in the detention center. We think it's retaliation on the part of ICE to demonstrate to others who might be considering doing that, that this is what will happen to you. Incidentally, while he was here working a regular job, his employer was withholding wages from him because he knew that he could as an undocumented worker, that he wouldn't actually have to pay him. And so they also filed a lawsuit against that employer um, and, you know,
6: where
3: did uh, Claudio live in the United States? In Florida. In, in Florida. Florida.
9: In uh, Pompano Beach, Florida. The, the detention center that he was held in originally was in the Boca area. Mm. It's one of the for profit detention centers that grew up during the Obama administration and flourished in the Trump administration. This most recent detention, they put him into a different center called the Chrome Center, which is another for-profit center that the Trump administration has really been expanding uh, the use of. And um, uh, and he, his entire family is also based in Florida.
3: So does the mo- the documentary, the, the movie itself, sort of have a happy ending when it regards to, uh, to Claudio? In other words, say like like he's been able to get out of yeah. detention. Yeah. yeah. initially. So, that, so you're going to have to change case. the yeah. ending of the movie.
9: Absolutely. Yeah. There will be a there will be a tie-in to this. Uh, it won't be in time for the premiere of it on third, on uh, I'm sorry, Sunday of next week next Sunday the
7: Fourteenth. 14th.
9: Uh, but they will be Italian. But at the screening of the movie, we will have two of the dreamers who are poor who are in the movie, um, who are these activists who have been doing everything they could to, to bring out the plight. We will also have a uh, immigration lawyer from the National Immigration Justice Center and a lawyer from the ACLU present uh, to uh talk to the audience.
3: And uh, so people, folks know if they want, are there tickets still available for this particular screening?
7: Yes, at doc10.org.
3: Doc10.org. I'm
9: glad you brought that up because today... Uh, CMP has decided that all the proceeds of ticket sales from this movie will go to the family to help support the family survive without their father and their grandfather and their and their husband. And uh, we are also going to be asking if people want to donate to the we've created a there's a, a, a website where people can. Uh, donate to, and CMP will match uh, the, the the funds that are raised to support the family.
3: Now, when you say CMP, just explain the uh,
7: acronym to everybody out there. So, CMP is Chicago Media Project that Steve and I co-founded in 2014, believing in the power of media to bring about change. And we feel that this film demonstrates the power of media that can have frankly a negative impact on individuals and what we choose to do as we're doing at this point is to turn that around and use the film to highlight not just the plight of Claudio but of others like him and to help uh, not have those stories uh, suppressed by um, frankly a a larger um, administration that would just soon help these folks go away.
9: And in fact The Infiltrators is just such a movie because despite this nightmare situation Mm. that happens. The movie itself is really a celebration of of activism. It's really the story of these young dreamers who took the the consequences upon themselves in order to be able to tell the stories of of people like Claudio by purposely getting themselves arrested so they can tell those stories. It's an inspiring movie. It's a movie that tells about the power that people have. And this is just another example of what we have to do.
3: Steve Cohen and Paula Fraley in the studio with me. Uh, They are movie producers and they're organizers of the Doc 10 Film Festival, which will be opening up April 11th at the Davis Theater, running April 11th to the 14th. I urge everybody to run. Don't walk. Get your tickets. We've been talking about this one movie. Is uh, are you the producers of the of the of the movie, The um, Infiltrators?
9: Uh, yes, yeah. actually, The Infiltrators is a movie that uh, Paul and I uh, brought to our members and investors about two years ago. We saw it pitched um, at uh, at Hot Docs in Toronto, and we thought this was going to be an extraordinary movie. What makes this movie so great? cinematically is because you could not film inside the detention centers we actually had a situation where the the people in the movie were telling giving notes to outside and then we recreated with actors and a set we recreated the detention centers themselves and what was going on inside so the movie is part documentary part scripted narrative which is one of the reasons why Sundance awarded it its innovative innovative film award
3: and what day will that be on did you say again
7: the infiltrators. Yeah. will be Sunday, April fourteenth at four thirty.
3: Okay. And uh, by the way, just uh, if there's any, either of you know the answer to this one. Uh, is it uh, he was um, sent back to Argentina? Uh, is it possible to, to win a order that allows him to come back to this country?
9: Anything is possible. It's unlikely.
3: Steve Cohen, Paul Fraley, Uh We're Paul, excuse me, Paula Fraley are uh, in the studio. We're talking about the um, Doc Ten Film Festival. We're we'll right back after this.
0: Grateful. Some of Biden's possible Democratic the rivals.
2: Ben say- Show. <music> hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. Alright, right, so here's how this works. The Vendrofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m., Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show, J O R A v in victory s k y so let's recap tuesday through friday 1 until 3 p.m live streamed on the chicago sun times youtube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the ben jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarovsky, take us home.
3: All right, Steve Cohen and uh, Paula Fraley in the, the studio with us.
2: And... Um I feel oh, things happening! Yeah, I'm here. having a beer, you know? Oh, yeah. Just chilling out.
3: <laughs> they're eating the set. Something about our studio is just induces people to bring salad. <laughs> Yesterday, Maya was in eating a delicious looking salad, and uh, Steve and uh, Paul are, are sharing a salad as well. Um,
7: lunch with Ben. Yeah, lunch with Ben. <laughs> you should rename it. Uh,
3: before we get into more, some of the more mo- uh, films or movies, whatever they're called at the Documentary Film Festival, do you got an update for
2: me? Absolutely. I do a few uh, updates here. First off, uh, Ben, have you asked them if they've seen the movie Us? I was going to ask them. You stole my question.
3: Uh, I'm obsessed with us. Uh, And uh, so, yes, I was going to ask them that question. (laughs) All right.
2: Well, yeah, make sure to ask them that question. All right. Here. So uh, we do have a new mayor. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Yeah, we're going to have a new mayor come May 20th, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Ben, I'm happy to report. Unity amongst Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle. They met today uh, through uh, Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push organization. I'm looking at a picture of the two shaking hands right there. Oh, Jesse Jackson right in the middle there. So, boom, (laughs) we have unity. All right, right, so that's good. So, with them, you you know, shaking hands and getting along after that uh, kind of brutal campaign they both had there. What? future do you see for uh, Preckwinkle? Well, Tony Preckwinkle, though. you know, she's still the president of the Cook County board That's and
3: she's saying. still the chair of the Democratic Party. She still has a lot of power. Uh, I think she had announced that this was going to be her last term as president of the Cook County board. So, uh, you know, she has an opportunity to uh, finish her her stint as a public official in Chicago on a strong footing. I always thought about Tony Preckwinkle that there was a bit of a reluctance uh, to running for mayor you know people were begging her in 2015 myself included uh, to run for mayor and she hesitated she dropped the ball, if you will. And then this time around, she wasn't even an announced candidate. She was not one of the original gangsters who had uh, you know, the audacity to run against Mayor Rahm. And all of a sudden, when Mayor Rahm stepped down, it was almost like she said, you know what, if I don't run now, I'll never get the opportunity again. Steve Cohen knows the too too, about politics. And suddenly she found herself running for mayor. I never felt that she was 100% into it, the way Lori Lightfoot like Lori Lightfoot, it seemed like she seized that moment. Like this was her chance, uh, and she announced very early. I don't know, Steve. I know you don't. I don't know how much you follow this thing, but do you agree with my interpretation?
9: Absolutely. I think that's exactly right. On, I didn't really feel that that Tony had her heart in it. Uh, she felt that it was this was it was now or never, and Lori absolutely had her heart and I think her passion and her excitement and her enthusiasm is what uh, really you know ignited the the, the populace mm. and uh, it's that and the fact that Lori is a candidate of change, and Tony is a candidate of the old organization. Yeah,
2: and the old organization is definitely out at this moment. And we have one more update here. Also, we're doing uh, one word. If you could use uh, one word to describe last night's election, what would that word be? Head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page and the Ben Jarofsky Show Twitter page. Both of those handles, at Benny J Show B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J-show. Alright, Ben, we have a 2020 presidential candidate update. Oh, okay. I love these. Keep uh, them coming. Grandpa Joe, Oh, yep, he has went on to Twitter and posted a video uh, kind of uh, talking about the allegations here. And he says uh, he's making a promise here. Okay, so let's hear from uh, Grandpa Joe. Oh, sure.
4: In the
6: coming month, I expect to be talking to you about a whole lot of issues. And I'll always be direct with you. But today, I want to talk about just as a support and encouragement that I've made to women and some men. And have made them uncomfortable. And i always tried to be, uh, in my career, I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and uh, whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. And over the years, knowing what I've been through, the things that I've faced, I've found that scores, if not hundreds of people, have come up to me. I reached out for solace and comfort, something, something, anything that may help them get through the tragedy they're going through, and and uh, and and so I, it's just just who, who I am, and I've never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought it about connecting with people. As like I said, shaking <laughs> hands, uh, hands on the shoulder, a hug, uh, encouragement, and now and now it, it's all about taking selfies together. Uh, You know, social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries (laughs) of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it.
3: All right, Joe. (laughs) Taking a bull by the horn there. And uh, is that an indication he's running? I would say he is definitely running. If he wasn't running, he'd say, F you mother people. Oh, <laughs> scared me. Uh, yeah, they come on. I'm, I'm, I'm a disciplined guy, all right? <laughs> hey, <no> Monroe Anderson. You <laughs> know <laughs> Monroe She's Anderson. He's like a sailor, that Monroe. Right in front of Tracy Bay. Oh, good Our boss. Yeah, the boss. But, uh, no, I... Um, yeah, I, I, I guess this definitely means that uh, Joe Biden uh, is running for president. And I think what Tracy Baim said is true, that uh, there's some uh, people of my generation who going to be uh, the, the, the Anita Hill. Um, the way he handled the uh, Anita Anita Hill's testimony at the uh, Clarence Thomas hearings is going to hurt him more than hugging gate. Uh, and I know Steve Cohen and Paul. Well, uh, both of you probably remember Anita Hill's mm-hmm. appearance in Absolutely. 1991. And um So uh, I don't want to drag you guys into politics. This is a political talk show. Uh, But I I do believe you're right, D. uh, He's running. Uh, I think that what he just did there will probably uh, deal with this fundamental issue of him hugging people too much. uh, Unless another incident comes out that's even more graphic. Uh, in which case that could really uh, torpedo his campaign. But I think uh, he's going to be running. And Grandpa Joe, you know, I always liked the guy. He's, he's quite a character. So uh, I welcome his position in the race. The more the merrier I always say when it comes to politics. All right, let's get back to Doc 10 of the film festival.
9: But we could talk about politics, because (laughs) one of our movies is called Knock Down the House. It's our opening night movie, and it's all about politics. It's about four women who ran for office in 2018, Mm -hmm. three of whom who didn't win, but one of whom did. And that one was uh, AOC AOC herself. (laughs) take
7: it. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic story. And regardless of where you might fall in terms of the spectrum of how you feel about her political position, her story is incredible and compelling. She's wonderful on screen. She's very open and honest, and the film team got in early. Nobody had any idea where this was going to go. This wasn't like jump on at the last minute. They were there in the earliest days when she's sitting in rooms with like bored people trying to get them to care and convince them that she cared about their issues.
3: Now, AOC, of course, is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the newly elected congresswoman from New York, beat Joe Carly in the last May, I want to say, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is now perhaps uh, the highest profile rookie congressman I've ever seen in my entire life. Paul, uh, right? I've never seen a, a, a rookie get so much attention. Uh, both of you have seen the film?
9: Yes, in fact, the film, uh, we, we are... Part of the funders of the film. Chicago Media Project was a funder of the film. The film premiered at Sundance to unbelievable reviews, standing ovations with the Infiltrators, standing ovations every single time. Netflix bought the movie for a record breaking price but uh, it is not going to be seen on uh, any place other than the uh, doc 10 Film Festival and a few other film festivals uh, for quite some time until probably October or November. So we're very excited to have it. Um, what's interesting, the movie is really a 2018 version of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. The movie is about the power of people and the power of, of grassroots uh, politics taking hold. It is really about the democratic process at its best and it is, is most um, inspiring. The stories of the other three women who didn't run, win are equally exciting and compelling and passion filled as AOC's. She just happened to be a winner.
3: And uh, so this is important to know that uh, if you really want to be at the, f- at the forefront of seeing this movie, you got to show up.
7: You got to show up. Thursday night. April eleventh at seven seven. Uh, and tickets are selling fast. Yes, yeah, I that know. One's I, definitely I, selling out. I bought them. <laughs> I bought
3: two tickets. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, so tickets are selling. And who will be? Will the di- director be there?
9: The dir-
7: yes, the director. The director a couple there. of the producers will be there.
9: And we have a special Saturday morning. We're having a special event attached to the movie. This is on Saturday morning. We're going to have a uh, panel conversation
7: about women running for office
9: and it's the going power to ha- of
7: women and the representation um, and it will have uh,
9: amanda Lippmann, who's the who has founded run for something uh, genevieve theers who has founded uh, the new founders mm-hmm. association and um
3: alexander ocasio-cortez i can't remember
9: who, oh, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, director, maybe. the director will be there we don't know about that mm-hmm. one and it's going to be moderated by um Oops, Madeline DeNino, who is the head of the Gina Davis Institute.
3: By the way, let's give Steve Cohen credit. There were no phone, no notes.
7: It was just rattling <laughs> that stuff off. I may be wrong, And he was like, how about, how about I? And then
3: we
9: look at Paul every
3: now
7: and then. She's like, don't look at me. You're the
9: one talking. Uh, so we're going to have this panel that's going to talk about how, how women are disrupting the political landscape. Right after that, Madeline DeNino is going to have a panel, that she, uh, a discussion that's about uh,
7: Intersectionality in media.
9: Women disrupting the media landscape. Media. All right. So but, we've got two great panels going.
3: Uh, but if you want to see the movie itself, one more time, Thursday, April 11th, at what time? Seven o'clock. And, and it's, is it going to be in the big theater? Big in the theater big theater.
7: theater at the Davis. So selling out fast.
3: Selling out fast. Go see it. Uh, yeah, no. It, uh, so who are, do, you, do you remember the names of the other? It doesn't matter. If The answer is no. Just don't even. Okay, we won't even go into the other <laughs> candidates. Uh, but it is I it, it is it. interesting because uh, I've had Steve James on the show and he talking about uh, like the unexpected twists and turns of of a documentary filmmaker when you start doing following somebody. You know, you're the proverbial f- uh, fly on the wall, if you will, and then all of a sudden that person uh, turns into somebody famous or something. Uh, you, you know, really profound happens, like with hoop dreams, when the, the twist in terms of hoop dreams. And in this case, you're absolutely correct that the film. Who was the director?
7: Rachel Lears.
3: Rachel Lears uh, just happened to stumble upon the great yeah. superstar of American politics. And does that come through? Does oh, Ocasio absolutely. Hurt?
9: I'll tell you what. Uh, we get we 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 track documentaries in progress all the time for Chicago Media Project, we must have seen 10 pitches about movies that were tracking candidates who are running for office in 2018. It was kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. And we just saw none of them really having kind of the gravitas to it. We were when we were pitched this movie, uh, which is right around Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. um, we looked at it. And we said, "This is the one." It captures the passion. It captures the excitement. It captures the 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 the, the sense of what democracy really is. Um, the other three candidates, I'm, I'm terribly sorry that we can't remember the names. I do know one. One is Christy Bush. She ran for uh, for Congress out of um, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Didn't win, but her race was really a race. I'm sorry, not Missouri. Um, Her race was really about again a woman, uh, an African American woman who came out of nowhere, had no uh, money or or organization behind her, but she wanted to challenge the incumbent in order to be able to establish that people can make a difference. Uh, The other one of the other candidates was a woman who ran against uh, uh, Joe Manchin in the primary in West Virginia for Senate. Again never ran for office before she wanted to do it because she wanted to the people of west virginia who who were the progressive that who didn't believe in in all of the things that joe manchin felt he had to uh, had to move to in order to be able to win uh, that that I, that primary
7: i believe that was paula jean swearingen
9: yeah
3: and that of uh,
9: nevada Nevada.
7: No, Apolginis oh, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. like is the West Virginia, that's right. Amy Vieira.
9: Amy Vieira was is is the last one she was running in Nevada for for mm-hmm. a congressional seat.
3: And Joe Manchin, of course, is the incumbent Democratic Senator of West Virginia who frequently votes with the Republicans. And so that was a great sort of like ideological battle within the Democratic Party. We have time to talk about one more movies. Is there another movie that you really want to uh, uh, highlight? Uh, That's going to be at the Doc 10 Festival.
7: Closing night on Sunday evening is a wonderful film called The Biggest Little Farm, which is about a couple who uh, were in L.A. um, and um, decided that they needed to chuck the urban lifestyle. And they bought some land in Northern California that was dead and arid um, and unproductive and turned it into one of the most remarkable farms you will ever see. And it is really the story of the struggle of what ended up, they thought it might take a couple of years to flip the land. It took over a decade. And they attempt, because they want the farm to be completely organic and, you you know, feeding off of itself and being self-contained, the things that they struggle with are just incredible it is
9: a great story it's so well made and it's captivating you
7: love them you love the animals you love the whole whole story
9: and at the end of the movie we're going to have a few people there for the Q&A and the after and the closing night uh, uh, because it is the closing night we're going to have um, some people who are doing a sustainable f- sustainable farm in Wisconsin, same kind of thing, and we're going to have samples of the sustainable foods for the audience to be able to try. Oh, food, food,
7: there. But I can't. St- st- cider. I, I, we hand can't cider. stop
9: it unless we talk about Hail Satan. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hail Satan Hail is Satan. a great Steve's movie. Favorite movie. Uh, it's uh, Friday night. At, no, it's not. No, it's, it's Saturday night. Saturday night at nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. The movie is is about the satanic. Temple, but it's but the movie is called Hell Satan with a question mark. It's really the Satanic sp- Temple. Yep. What's the, that? Well, that's a that in is the movie. A, you know, it's yeah. a religious group. But it's what a five year old really rabble
7: rousing organization. That's more challenge- than a gang of political pranksters. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> they go out and they challenge whenever uh, one of the Christian groups wants to put a Ten Commandments in front of a state building. They say, well, we want to put a Satanic uh, 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 the the Satanic memorial. <laughs> Uh, up in it. It's really about the First Amendment,
7: and uh, it's very funny,
3: and, and very, and very funny. Very funny. All right, now I'll remind folks that la- I think it was last year. and I'm doing this out of memory. Didn't you end the Mister Rogers movie there? We did. Mister Mr. Rogers Mr. and RBG. And RBG, yeah, and RBG, and they both became big hits uh, for documentary. One
7: went on to be nominated for an Academy Award. Or One should they,
3: have been. <laughs> wait, time out. Didn't they both get nominated? They were
7: shortlisted. RBG made it all the way.
3: And I bet, I, oh my gosh, I shouldn't let this cat out of the bag. I was at a, an, um, um,
7: <laughs> an Oscar pool.
3: I told you. And yeah, and I texted Steve. I go, hey, Steve, give me the scoop, you know, the skinny on the documentaries. Because, you know, Paul, I don't know anything about the doc Like the short documentaries. Right, 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 So I went with his bets, <laughs> and I lost the pool. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But you did tell me the one to go with. I went with RBT. Period, end of question. Yes, you did tell me. If I had listened to Steve Cohen, (laughs) I still would have lost the uh, (laughs) pool. Anyway, uh, Steve Cohen and uh, Paula Fraley, thanks so much. It's always a blast talking movies with you. Uh, One more time, folks. Doc 10. April 11th to the 14th at the Davis Theater. What's the website? They can go to uh,
7: www.doc10.org That's doc10.org
3: Alright, that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez flick sounds great Hell Satan's sounds great as well uh, Also want to thank Monroe Anderson and Tracy Bame, our guests earlier in the show. Uh, thanks uh, Miles Porter, our uh, editor, doing a great job as he always does, and of course, the man, the myth the legend. <laughs> oh yeah From Alton, Illinois, the ladies all love him for his body and his mind. They call him the doctor. Keep yourself raised. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
9: So.
2: Hey, remember, you can download this show, all right, if you missed any of it, at chicagoreader.com and Chicago.suntimes.com. chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com, and we will be back with a brand new Ben Jarofsky show tomorrow, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. We hope you'll join us.